Howdy do who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. This is Gary. And this is Adam. And welcome to episode 202. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. The privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. How do you do, who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week, and that you've managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who related. Oh yes, yeah, indeed. yes indeed. <laughs> There's been a few bits happening mm. this week, which is good. Noticed a um, an interview that landed with Chibbers. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, the the um, he didn't say a lot, did he? <laughs> I was just about to say, not not an extensive interview, but no, he's definitely a man of. Uh, not secrecy, but he's quite contained, isn't he? He seems a bit scripted. Like, all the stuff in that interview is kind of stuff he's already said, if you know what I mean. It's always as if he's got his little, few little sales nuggets, which is all good. He's sort of telling us what we want to hear, but it's the same thing in every interview I hear. Like, you know, like the mothball used to just, you never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. He, <laughs> could, he could just go off on a tangent, and I kind of loved him for that. Indeed. With Chibbers, and I'm sure Chibbers will be like it once he sells in, but at the minute he's just giving us these little nuggets. It's a jumping on point. It's fresh. <laughs> you know, it's a whole new bunch of characters that you're going to get to love. and all. He's sort of telling us the same things over again, isn't he, so far? But it's all good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, yeah, the, the opening part of the interview is very, very generic. It's... Um, mm. They said, what can we expect? And he said, you can expect emotion, action, <laughs> adventure, and monsters and far-off planets and huge alien vistas. And you can expect a lot of humour, warmth, and so on. So this is not really unique to this new era of Doctor Who. These um, these things have been, you know, described, people have described the show in this way for many years. So it's mm. very generic. It's not much, that's what I mean. He's He's quite... He doesn't want to reveal anything at all. It's all very, no. you know. Uh, but the one thing that was cool, he said uh, that this is very much a, a renewal of, of Doctor Who and it's not a reboot. He doesn't want people to view it as a uh, as, as a as a reboot, which some people have commented on in the past. Mm. And I think that's just due to the, the, the changing of the guard, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it's one of those... It's not. We're not just changing doctors. It's a bit like when the Moff took over. You know, we're changing showrunner, mm. lead actor, composer, producers, the whole lot. You know. So, yeah. So I guess if you're a bit, if you're a glass half empty sort of person, you could oh, yeah, one of these stupid reboots, and mm. we've seen too many of them. So he's he was very keen to say that it's not a reboot. It's very much a. Maybe in the same way that people thought when Eccleston, when RTD brought it back, was that going to be a reboot or was it going to be a an ongoing canon thing? But 
Yeah. It's good to hear. Yeah, it is good to hear. I mean, I, I, it's funny because I know he says it's not a reboot, but I keep thinking of that that little clip, you know, with the glass ceiling breaking and the music they use. It's like, what is it? Um, it's good to start again. I was thinking, you know, it's not a reboot, but it's, you know, it's fresh and we're all starting again. And I know what you mean. It's a bit like when Moffat took over. I mean, 11th Hour had a massively different feel and it mm. immediately felt the same but better well newer you know like the TARDIS I mean I love the you know when the TARDIS was revealed in the 11th hour of the St John's Ambulance badge and just little <laughs> tweaks that Moffat made More in Series 5 yeah better yeah, yeah. The, the sort of production quality seemed to ramp up a little bit as well in seri- from Series 5 and yes. you know so again it does you know we've heard about all these new cameras they're using as well high def and so again it's you know should have a, a new feel to it but still be the same show so I don't like this jumping on point um, <laughs> patter though I don't know why it just makes it sound like well if you've you know if you've thought it was rubbish before now's a good time to have a look at it and it's like no don't just you know we don't you know mm. people will either watch it or they won't don't try and force them to jump on board now it's just you know it's just there i just i don't know because the moffat did it with series 10 didn't they do you remember moffat was saying oh it's you know it's a fresh start it's a good jumping on point it's a new companion it's like you know they always use that line don't they and i just i don't know why it just annoys me a bit yeah. just just be proud of the show don't keep trying to make out it's a jumping yeah. on point yeah i yeah. don't he did say that. He said, with the new Doctor, you've got a new beginning, an opportunity mm-hmm. for people to join the show as viewers, for people who might have drifted away or haven't drifted. seen the show for a few years or 10 years or 20 years. It's a great yeah. time to remind people of how amazing Doctor Who is and to have a restart. So in a way, he is kind of saying, it, it, uh, yeah, I think he's cleverly saying that, you know, we're not rebooting anything, however... If or, I think that's like a sly little dig at all the people that have complained continuously about the moth over the past, you know, eight mm. years, or whatever. It's like you know, we 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 hear you. You know, you haven't been a hundred percent happy, but yeah, don't worry, we fixed it now, so you can yeah. come back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's an interesting little interview. But I just wish it was longer. It's only like two questions, really, or three questions. So, mm. yeah, very, very tucked away, protected man. Yeah, because I, I clicked on a link to a, another interview with him. I, I forget which website it was now. It said, oh, I've travelled down to, to Cardiff to talk to the new showrunner. And it was exactly like that. It was like three little sentences. I was thinking, is that all you got out of him? It just, <laughs> he just went all that way to get, you know, you could have done that over the phone. And yeah, it was about the yeah. same length of this interview as well. So he's just got, he's got his little sales points and that's all you're getting. But that's that's cool. We've said before we we don't want too many spoilers for this series. So yeah, for me, it's worked. I know some people it's driven them mad. Like I know <laughs> some people are going up the wall because of you know they're saying like lack of promotion and we haven't been told about any of the you know monsters in it and all this. But for me, I'm I genuinely am loving that I don't know anything. I didn't think I would, <laughs> but I am honestly. Yeah, I, no, we, we are just just over two weeks away as we record, aren't we? Two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. Was it three? I've no. lost track. But we're not far. And no. I know so little about it. And my my excitement levels are, are, are through the roof. In fact, I'm trying to pattern them down a bit, if anything, because <laughs> I was saying this at the weekend, um, met of a couple of fra- who friends, and we were talking about it. And I was saying, you know, I said, oh, I love Jodie already, and she's not even on screen yet. And I said, I'm <laughs> trying to sort of not get too excited because I don't want to be disappointed. So, Unfortunately, my expectations levels are quite high at the minute, <laughs> which is not always a good thing. So I need to yeah. ram because you know I'm not I don't want to don't 
don't want to be disappointed, but I am so excited for Series 11. A lot of pressure. Yes, yeah. Because it's been, rightly so, it's been hyped up, but in a clever sort of way. With TV and films nowadays, everyone, there's definitely a hype train mm. that gets that starts momentum with trailers and stuff like that. But the good thing about, well, the thing I like uh, that the way that Chibbles, Chibbles has handled everything is, yes, there's been a lot of hype and everyone's looking forward to it, but it's all born out of hardly anything. We've had very little in the way of screenshots and trailers and all that lot. So, and that, I think I think a, a big portion of that is down to Jodie, you know. I think whenever we see her, especially when she did the Comic-Con panel with the oh, other guys. I love guys, that, yeah. yeah. That spoke volumes as just how into it she is and how much she's loving it and yeah uh, i'll tell you that's when i that's when i felt a little bit of relief you know if there was any anxiety about you know our new cast mm-hmm. um after watching that panel i was sort of filled with hope because i was just they just really seemed to get on well there seemed to be really good sort of chemistry between between them as people yeah and i'm thinking if you can you know if we get that on screen then we're on to a winner because they just seem to really bounce off each other and they seem to genuinely sort of laugh together. And I, I just thought, yeah, I like these guys. You know, they came across really well, I think, in that panel. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. You been up to anything uh, or anything of note personally before we get on to news and merch? Any cool who stuff that you've seen? Um, I bought the I bought the new SFX magazine because it oh, had a yeah. it's got a, it says it's a thirteenth Doctor special, um, a, a bit like this interview. There's some nice pictures, nothing we haven't seen before. And to be honest, it was a nice little article, but again, nothing new. I mean, it, you know, Chibbers is really sort of batting down on it, so not really complaining. But there wasn't much in there. It does, however, come with a really cool free quiz book. Now they haven't done themselves any favours here because the whole quiz book is Doctor Who related because I thought it'd only have one Doctor Who sort of round in it but actually the whole book is a Doctor Who quiz so that's really cool. Okay. Um, so that was that was a bonus because I was a little bit disappointed with the actual <laughs> Who content if you like. <laughs> and the only other thing that um, that I've had this week which I absolutely love I don't know if you got this but um, I just got the new Five Doctors soundtrack that came out from Silva screen. Silva. It's Silva, isn't it? Because whenever I search him, it never comes up because they spell it weird. Um, yeah, the new Five Doctors soundtrack for Silver Screen. It is glorious, mate. I've, I've literally... <laughs> my other half doesn't know what's going on because I just have it on all the time and I just <laughs> love it. And I'm sort of, you know, I'm sort of doing the ironing with it on and the music's quite crazy, isn't it? Especially that weird sort of horn sound in it. Like, <laughs> so I've been I've just been doing like random house chores to the Five Doctor soundtrack all week, but man, I, I it's glorious. It really is. I've always loved the music in that story. So to have it released as a complete soundtrack, it's it's so good. I absolutely love the music in that. Um and also I've just got the invasion one uh, as well, but I haven't actually had a chance to listen to it yet. And I wasn't that bothered about that one, to be honest, but a lot of people are saying it's really good. So, you know, um, I'll mm. give that a listen this afternoon. So yeah, that's, that's been pretty much me, mate, really. But have you, have you got the soundtrack? I have. E- either of those? Yes. I've got the five doctors. It's really, it's one of my favorite so good. Yeah, yeah, classic, um, music suites, really. The eye of Orion is just oh, such a beautiful, beautiful, yeah. That track, I like yeah. I went on on Sunday when I was with my Who friends and I was drunk. I was trying to describe that, you know, the mind lock music. It's mm-hmm. got that swooshy sound. It's like when they all try and 
connect their minds at the end. And I was just like, oh, that's just amazing. You know, just amazing stuff. Um, I can't do it. The swooshy sound. People know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but I, I like the fact they've done like the, some of the special edition music on it as well. And a few of the little sound effects at the end. And it's just great to the amount of care that's gone into that soundtrack to, you know, just give you a complete clean version of everything. It's brilliant. Mm. No, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I picked that up as well. It's very nice. The cover's beautiful as well. Yeah, it's Clayton, isn't it? Clayton. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, yeah, we're working. Uh, I've been speaking to a couple of uh, Doctor Who companies over, oh, yeah. the, over the last week, and I'm hoping from next week we should be able to announce a couple of cool giveaways. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so stay tuned next week, um, and I'm hoping that we can... Yeah, give away a, a few bits. Excellent. From our kind friends. Um, but other than that, mate, yeah, I've been very quiet. I've not even watched... Usually I watch um, uh, a Doctor Who throughout the week. I always try and watch or re-watch a classic story and a, mm. a new one at least. But I've, I think it's been the first week in so long that I haven't done that. I've just been... I don't know, really. Not overly busy, but just haven't... haven't done it. I know. The weeks go quick sometimes, don't they? Like I was thinking that yeah. today. It's like Wednesday already. I know. Sometimes you just think, right, I'll watch that. And then before you know it, it's Friday. <laughs> there we go. Mm. I'm really liking the little mini marathons that the uh, W channel are doing here in the UK on Sunday mornings. Mm. That's very cool. So I think from nine or 10 o'clock, they'll play. They'll, they're going through to their sort of mid-tenant era at the moment. Yeah. So nine or ten o'clock in the morning, and it runs through till three in the afternoon. So you've got a nice little bulk of four or five stories there, which is nice. That's cool. Unfortunately, I don't have the W channel because I know you've mentioned it a few times. It's probably a good thing because I watch enough television as it is. But <laughs> if I think <laughs> if I had that, I'd be right on it all the time. I did actually get to watch Invasion of the Dinosaurs the other week. You know, I said I, I just had this inkling for some unknown reason to watch it i think i may have been talking about it with someone and thought and uh, i'll keep my thoughts because we haven't reviewed it but um yes finally got around to watching that again after a while oh cool yeah i can't help but notice that they it says in the production notes that they spruced up the tardis prop for that because you know pert was tardis often looked very battered uh-huh. and they said they gave it a nice spruce up for that story and it does look great Apart from the light, which is still smashed. <laughs> it's still smashed. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, they did all of that and they still didn't fix the lamp. I know. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I'll save my thoughts on that one for another time because uh, <laughs> we've still to review that one, haven't we? Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah, we've still got that one to come, so. Yeah. Mm. Anyways, shall we see what's knocking around with news and merch? Yeah. The William Hartnell Heritage Plaque just wanted to um, give a very quick update for that stuff. So a few episodes back, you would have heard us mention the new projects that the Doctor Who Appreciation Society have kicked off to install one of those really cool heritage blue plaques mm. to honour William Hartnell in the same vein that they did for the John Pertwee one at the Wembley Theatre, is it? Wembley Wimbledon. something? Wimbledon Theatre. Wimbledon Theatre, sorry. Yeah. And so they're doing the same thing for Hartnell, and that kicked off a few weeks ago, but they can only do that via some fundraising because it's not 
it's not the cheapest thing uh, to get done. And uh, I think it was last week or the week before we told you that the they had kicked off a load of auctions over on their eBay site for some really cool artwork and prints and cards and everything. Mm. And um, apparently that's going okay, but they obviously need more of a push um, to get um, more money in the bag, so to speak, in the pot. Mm. Um, so it's going okay, but they do need some some extra cash, obviously. So if you head over to ebay.co.uk forward slash USR forward slash DWAS underscore auction, you can see all of the items that they've got for sale on there. And um, I think I'm right in saying that all of the uh, profit or proceeds that they make from those sales on eBay will go to the Hartnell Fund. So if you zip over there, um, and they've updated it recently, so they've got the... I think last week or the week before they had some limited edition cards. They've now got some new ones. Mm. Um, they've got the uh, um, posters. They've got, um, I think, three sets of posters, which look quite cool. Um, so, yeah, just go ahead and check that out. And they're not that expensive either. So if you want to buy a set of posters, um, I think some of them are £5, some of them are £8 and £10. Um, but it will go to a really good cause. So... Yeah, um, I love I love the idea of this plaque, mate. I think it's great. Um, I actually I did buy the postcards from them a couple of weeks ago when you first mentioned this. I I actually went on and got the little postcard set. I think it was like five ninety nine or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember the one with like the War Doctor and, yes. and there's a new Jody one? And I don't know if we ever found out if the Jody one was from our listener. Was it Kevin? Kevin Mullen. I think it. I don't know if it's the same. Kevin, if you're listening, are you the same, Kevin? But anyway, (laughs) I went and and bought the postcard pack and they arrived really quick and they were really nice. And I had a quick look on this yesterday to see what other stuff they'd got. And they did have some really nice autographs on there, like William Russell's autograph and stuff like that. So, yeah, let's just go and have a quick look because they've got some good stuff on there to to bid on as well. So it's um, good stuff for a good cause, Mm. (laughs) if you like. Right, in other news, and this is great, this is great for anyone near Essex or Southend on Sea. Um, the DWAS, who we just mentioned there, Doctor Appreciation Society, are doing a party uh, to, to, to uh, yeah party in a pub in a bar with um, on Sunday the seventh. So the, the day that our new Doctor lands on screen, you get to watch it with loads of other Doctor Who fans on a big screen in a pub. I can't think of anything better to be honest. <laughs> um, if this was closer to me, I'd be there like a shot. I tell you, I got, yep. I got yeah, snap. I got a um, I got an email from them uh, at the weekend about this. It said, "Oh, because you came to Polarity Day, we thought you might be interested in this." And I was like, "Yes, oh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm there, I'm right there." And then I was like, "Oh no, Southend on Sea, that's living market. I can't get there." And also, actually, I remembered I'm in London for a friend's birthday on that weekend, so I will be back in time for Doctor Who. But there's no no way I could make this. But if I could, it sounds like a great event. So if you're free. On Sunday the 7th, when, you know, the first episode of Series 11 airs and you want to go to a bar and watch your fellow Dot Two fans, this is a free event. Um, all you have to do is go on to Eventbrite and book your ticket. And that's it. You don't have to be a member of Dwas or anything like that. They're just the people hosting it. And I'll tell you what, I remember, oh, when did 11th Hour air? Whenever that aired, oh, they crappy. did a party for that in London that I went to. Mm-hmm. And it was just brilliant. I had such a good time. Uh, so I watched 11th Hour on the big screen with loads of Dot Two fans, and they had Philip Maddock there, you know, um, from Brain and Morbius, and and uh, Katie Manning had a few people there as well. It was a brilliant day. So, yeah, if you can get down to this, guys, uh, really worth it. Um, we'll put things in the show notes if you want to 
link to or anything, but yes. you just need to yeah. basically go to Eventbrite, isn't it, and search yeah. for... That's it, yeah. If you go to Eventbrite and just search for Doctor Who launch party, yeah, something like that, it should show up. We'll put a link anyway, as Adam said. Yeah. Um, it does sound very cool because we, not just this, but you and I have mentioned this about going to the BFI as well. Mm. There's something mm. very, very cool about going to watch Doctor Who with lots of other Who fans on a big screen. Yeah. I don't know. It's just having that. It, it's the reaction as well, because yeah. if there's jokes and stuff, everyone normally, as long as they don't, you know, as long as they don't <laughs> clang, as long as people find them funny, um, normally everyone laughs at the same time and you just get a real good buzz from it. And wow. as I said, the 11th hour one was brilliant. Um, I really enjoyed that. The only thing I can remember that went wrong was on the big, they had the big TV in the pub and they couldn't get the volume up. So we, they sort of put it on and you could see the announcement, uh, Doctor Who returns now to BBC One and everyone was going, turn it up, turn it up, because nobody <laughs> could hear it. We were all going mad thinking we were going to be able to see it and not hear it. But uh, yeah, no, it should be a really good day if, you, if um, people can get to it, it'd be great. Yeah, sounds awesome. And uh, like yeah. Adam said, the tickets are completely free. So if you can get there, it's going to be cool. They only ask that because the tickets are free that you support the venue by buying a few drinks and stuff and <laughs> never a problem for me never a problem yeah. <laughs> uh right next uh talking of screenings oh, this is brilliant. awesome i'm so pleased about this yeah it's a nice little segue uh into yeah. the bfi stuff uh, so they're holding another doctor who screening this is going to be on saturday the 17th of november and this is for Earthshock, and this yeah. is to celebrate the well i assume it's to celebrate the release of the new um season 19 Yes, yep. season 19. Yep. Season 19, the new Blu-ray uh, box set, which I'm hoping that you've all ordered. And the so anyone that's been to the BFI will know, those of you that haven't been, the format is essentially you'd rock up to the cinema, you you get in there, get your seat. There's a small little introduction by, what's the guy's name who always does these? What's his name? Phil? Justin. Justin? Just, oh, no, you're on about Dick. Oh, Dick, yeah, Justin and Dick, I think. Um mm. I think it's those. And they give you a little in- introduction and then you get yourself comfy, you watch the the episode and they play it as an omnibus sort of thing. There's no breaks. It's one long, continuous thing. And then they usually do some sort of Q&A and a little giveaway. They give they throw away some DVDs and so on. And at this one, we're going to have Eric Saywood and Matthew Waterhouse. Yay. At the moment, there could be a couple of other names there because it's a couple of months away yet. So there's time to... Maybe Frank Skinner, he's normally at He's normally sort of there. Yep, and we might get a couple of other people who were involved in the show at the time. But at the moment, Eric Saywood and Matthew Waterhouse. So you and I, obviously, will be there. We normally go to these things. It's in London. It's not too far for us. Um, but if you can get there, tickets will go on sale on the 25th of September. So next week, Tuesday, is it? I think it's a Tuesday, yes. Yep, they'll go on there. So you need to head over to the BFI website. And they normally, they'll normally put, um, uh, a, a little banner somewhere if you go onto the, the the normal homepage. But if you just do a search for Doctor Who Earthshock, you'll see the page come up. Book your tickets now. It's normally what it, I think with these things. Is it like just the general films anyway, where tickets will go on sale to BFI members a little bit early? Than the they normally public? do. Yeah, yeah, they normally do. Yeah. So, um. It, that's just the way of the, the of the how this works. The BFI members will normally scoop up the majority of tickets first. However, there's normally, 99% of the time, there's normally a decent batch of tickets left. You just need to make sure that you're on the website, re- refreshing the page, 
and, and nabbing your ticket. So um, if you're a fan of Davison, especially Earthshock, we reviewed it recently. It's one of you know one of our fave Davison stories. I think mm. uh, it's a belter of a story, and you also get to look at Adric's annoying little face on the stage. <laughs> Don't afterwards. say that though; he'll be there. He's actually going to be there. I, I I can't wait for this, mate. I mean, I've never met Eric Saitwood, um, and uh, I've only ever seen him on DVD commentaries. So, I'm looking forward to hearing him in a chat because he seems quite an interesting guy. He doesn't, you know, he always seems quite. Um, he never seems afraid to give an opinion, let's put it that way, which is always good. I like it when people are honest, even if some things I, they say I don't agree with. Uh, Matthew Waterhouse, last time we saw him, seemed in very good spirits at the BFI, so I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing him on stage He was again. a little bit drunk. He'd had a, he'd had a, he'd had a drink. Uh, we've all had a drink. We've all and, had a drink. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, it should be a great day. And you get to see Earthshock in HD. I mean, I just... Oh, my uh, voice has gone up a notch because I'm just so excited about this. If I don't manage to get a ticket, I'll literally be—you'll—I'll be bursting in for the—you'll be—I'll be being escorted off the premises because there is no way I'm missing out on this. Uh, yes, I should have mentioned the the version of Earthshock that they're going to show in the cinema is the new HD upscaled one that they're going to be releasing on the in the Blu-ray package. So that's cool. But yeah, Matthew Waterhouse last time we just saw him drifting out into the street with half a glass of wine still. <laughs> I, I half imagine just to hear like a smash a few seconds afterwards and see him just face first into the, into it, the ground. He'd it, it, obviously been making the most of the green room. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. That sounds awesome. So get yourself out of there. Yeah. It does. Sounds brilliant. Right. In other news, bringing us bang up to date to Series 11, the BBC have given us a few more bits of promotional news, starting with a glorious bit of um, promotional I mean, I don't know who's done this. I don't, do you know the artist? I don't know, fortunately. It looks pretty good, though. Oh, I like it. I mean, it's very much in the same vein as what we've had before. So it's full of colour. There's our new TARDIS team on the front there looking in, you know, action poses. You've got some glowing rocks. These rocks seem to be making a bit of they a... Do. Hmm. What are these glowing rocks? Um, you've got the TARDIS up in the sky there, almost looking a bit sinister <laughs> after throwing our new Doctor out. Mm-hmm. Still wondering what's going on there. Um, I mean, it's it's lovely. It is full of colour. I mean, I some people have said that the new promotion art's a bit too sort of CBBC. I really like it, but I can see what they mean. It, it it's definitely different. It's much different in tone to what we've had yeah. before. Um, I really like it though. I don't know. What do you think, mate? Is it a little bit too? Are they going a bit too young with this branding, or or do you think they're hitting it right? Well, it's hard to say until we've seen the tone of the, seen of the series. You know. Um, but it's yeah. definitely, full, I mean, the, the tone of, of the majority, if you look at a bunch of the big finish artwork that we've had over the past couple of years and just general posters and stuff, it's generally, it, it's it's very typical sort of space nebula scene with a bit of blue or purple in there. Mm. And, you know, it, so this is very much a change of direction. Like you said, it's just full of colour. There's you know, pinks and purples and yellows and reds and, and all sorts going on. So, yeah, I mean, in, on one you hand, you could say, it. yeah. On one <laughs> hand, you could say it does look a little bit CBB, but yeah, until we've seen what the tone of the show's like, it might it might fit perfectly with the tone of the new Doctor and show. So, but I like it. I think it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Someone was saying the other day as well. You know how like when when Eccleston came back as the Doctor, there were those lovely posters of 
him and Billy in front of the TARDIS all mm. over London, well, all over the country, actually. And we were just saying, wouldn't it be lovely to see these, you know, this poster up everywhere they're on the sides of buses and stuff and be great. I mean, it's just very visual. As I said, it's very eye-catching, even, you know, whatever you think of it. Yeah. So anyway, they gave us a few more little uh, nuggets about um, Series 11 as well. So we've been told that Episode 1 is going to be called The Woman Who Fell to Earth. We've also now got the title of Episode 2, which is called The Ghost Monument. It's a cool title. Uh-huh. I like that. Um, I'll just give you the quick synopsis for both. So for Woman Who Fell to Earth, it says, we don't get aliens in Sheffield in South Yorkshire City. Ryan Sinclair, Yasmin Khan and Graham O'Brien are about to have their lives changed forever, though, as a mysterious woman unable to remember her own name falls from the night sky. Can they believe a word she says and can she help solve the strange events taking place across the city? Sheffield. Sheffield. So that's episode one. Can't remember her name. Well, she's she's been hoyed out the TARDIS quite. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. And then the the synopsis for the Ghost Monuments says, still reeling from their first encounter, can the Doctor and her new friend stay alive long enough in a hostile alien environment to solve the mystery of desolation? And just who are Angstrom? Angstrom. Angstrom. Angstrom and Epzo. Epzo. Hmm. Who are they and how do you say their names? It's a, that's the mystery of episode two. So th- th- this sounds pretty cool. I'm liking the synopsis for these two. Indeed. I'm, I'm quite intrigued, you know, as to this whole she can't remember her name thing because yeah. are they playing this as... Because you know when we've seen post-regen... Like the first story of a new Doctor when they've just regenerated, mm. they do have that crazy sort of episode where they're coming out of the region, so they're a bit all over the place and yeah. it's a bit wonky. Or, or are they playing it more of a deeper side of her character where maybe this is where Chibnas, Chibbers is... Why do I keep saying Chibners today? Chibners. Chibbers, Chibbers. Maybe this is why Chibbers is hinting in interviews and stuff that this is a bit of a re... Not a reboot, but a re-thing. Maybe it's a proper mm. sort of redo, not just for us viewers, but for the Doctor maybe. Yeah, yeah, it could be, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I can see him playing on that. Who knows? Mm, who knows? I was thinking back to the, the Power of the Daleks as well, where the Doctor just keeps... He's really sinister, isn't he? He's like, they don't even know if he is the Doctor, and he, <laughs> he won't tell them. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's really odd. So, yeah, maybe we're getting a bit of that vibe, I don't know. Uh, the only other thing to mention from this little press release that we've had is that they've given us a few guest stars uh, that are going to be in it. Um I haven't heard of any of them, to be honest with you, but I'll tell you their names anyway. Uh, Sean Dooley, uh, who apparently was Peter Harper in um, the series The Street. Mm-hmm. Do you know him? Uh, Susan Lynch, who won the British Independent Film Award for Best Supporting Actress for the film 16 Years of Alcohol. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, veteran actor Art Malik, best known for his portrayal of Harry Kumar in the classic series The Jewel of the Crown. Okay. Now, so, I know Art Malik. You do, dear. Yes. So those of you who are into their, I think it was like early 90s, early 90s big Hollywood action films will know Art Malik as the evil terrorist actor who starred opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger in the film True Lies. Oh, right. So he's, uh, I think he's, I don't know if he's known for The Jewel in the Crown, but he's definitely known for Casualty, I think, or Holby City, whichever hospital drama he was in for Donkey's Years, Art Malik, but he was definitely in True Lies, a really big Hollywood 
Arnie I'll Phil. probably know the face. Yeah. I'm not as as regular listeners will know. I'm not very good with names, but show me a face. I'll be like, oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, I'm sure I will. So a couple of guest stars there, which is cool. And just lastly, uh, the Chibber says, "Break out the popcorn," he says, and hunker down. There's this phrase I haven't heard before. Hunker <laughs> down for Sunday night adventures in space and time with the Thirteenth Doctor and his best friends. The journey's about to begin. Wow. Well, I like that actually. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I like that. The hype continues. It does. <laughs> it does. But like I'm said, liking the hype. I, I think a lot of people are saying, are saying the promotion isn't good enough, but I don't know. I think it's all right. It's building quite nicely for me, but anyway. No, I agree. I think just because we haven't had 10 different trailers. It's just, ramp, it's just different, you know? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would love another trailer. I absolutely would love a, another trailer before the show, but, um, you know, we'll see. Do you know what I'd like? <laughs> what? I would like to see, in the week running up to Who, starting again, I would like to see some cool little teasers every night running up to Sunday. Oh, no, that would be nice. Yeah. So what's the what's the crappy soap that runs? Is it EastEnders, isn't it, that runs on BBC oh. One? Yeah. So before or after EastEnders, which I assume is when the Bieber get in the volume of their viewers, maybe before or after that, just have a cool little 10-second little mini teaser that sort of mm. pieces together on Saturday night. So by the time Sunday launches, your hype has reached just biblical proportions and you're bouncing off the walls and the ceiling. You're like, I can't wait for Jodie! Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm thinking of the, I mean, I still, you know, this goes to show the impact you have. I still think about the one of Eccleston running away from the fireball. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, That's, that was awesome. So just such a simple, brilliant, ah, mm-hmm. oh, the hype I had for that series. So, yeah, I agree with you, mate. I mean, I we're still a couple of weeks away. I don't think, you know, I think some people are saying the BBC are being a bit lazy and where's the promotion? We're still a couple of weeks away, so... I think leading up to it, these next couple of weeks, I would like to see more. But at the minute, I think it's cool. I don't think we're, you know, I think it's good. BBC America are absolutely knocking out the park, I have to tell you. I mean, they are really, BBC America are promoting this, you know, every five seconds. They're doing an amazing job. But yeah, I'd like to see a few more little teasers leading up to this. It would be cool. Some of the, some of the um, promos for like, you know, like EastEnders and that, like so those little promos they have for them, they look like they cost a fortune. They're like little... Mm-hmm two minute mini movies the amount of money they spend on them so i'd like to see something like that for doctor who or have you seen the new apprentice advert where they're in in a tank and and there's like a production yeah, line yeah. And it might, mm-hmm. that looks like it cost an absolute arm and a leg to make that well they got the money mate i know so let's them. have some let's have some money put into doctor who that'd be and get something a bit like that would be cool that would be cool yeah yes uh i think that's it. yeah that's it for news that's it for news Shall we get old Grumpy Pants in? Yeah, is it? He's, he's even more grumpy because he knows there's no Daleks in Series Eleven, so he's he's really unhappy, isn't he? Yeah, we're having to tread a bit. It's like walking on eggshells with him at the minute. Just don't mention Series Eleven to him. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very. Pretty. Oh dear. Oh dearie me. Made matters worse over the weekend. I was having a bit of a clear out of the old merch. Yeah, I noticed, yeah. Having a bit of a, because I haven't dusted the old shelves for a little while. Mm. So they needed, every everything needed to come off. And I had loads of stuff just piled up, needed organising. So, And I found 
Um, when we was in Forbidden Planet, you and I, this was months and months ago, I picked up one of the Eagle Moss figurine magazines and it was the little white um, Imperial Dalek figure. Oh, yeah. Yes. And uh, do you know what? Actually, just before I move on, some of those little Eagle Moss figures, are, they're a nice little weight, you know. I expected them to be mm. really light and plasticky, but this mm. is like a little metal. Anyway, um, he saw me unbox that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. No. If looks could kill. I'll tell you Dalek what, eyes could kill. Yeah, the eye stalk mm. was just, it was a fiery red colour. Oh, dear. So good job we've taken his... Um, That's a good job you've taken his gun off. Exactly, yeah. Mind you, watch that plunger, because he, he's still pretty handy with that, I'll tell you. He is handy. Got a bit tasty, mm. I will be honest. <laughs> I got a bit tasty, but yeah, a couple of backhanders and he's he's all right. It's fine. Right, merch, rubber toe. Rubber toe props. We haven't seen anything from these they've guys They've come in a while. back from obscurity, haven't they? Yeah, they've suddenly come back, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so rubber toe replicas. Rubbertoreplicas.com, in fact. Mm. Uh, they've released a cool little accessory if you've purchased one of their sonic screwdrivers. Uh, notably, the 11th or the 12th Doctor's Sonics. You can now purchase the little um, docking port that your Sonic can sit in and look complete and nice and futuristic and sci-fi, and it's very cool. Um, so when I say docking port, what I mean is it's like a little circular base, if you like, and it's very nice. It's chrome with green little lights on it, and um, it's got the little hooks that are reminiscent of Matt Smith's Sonic at the top, you know, the little claw things that open up yeah. at the top. It's got those things on there. And your Sonic just sits inside it, essentially. Uh, and it is used... Uh, they haven't just made this up. It was used in the show. It's a little additional thing that was on the TARDIS console. That the Thought doctor, it was. Yep. Yeah, I wondered if that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. Uh, however, it will cost you nearly £100 <gasps> hard-earned cash Gosh. to get this. So depending on how you... Yeah, and if you want to finish off your display nicely, because I don't know about you, but the I've got the tenth Doctor Sonic, which was the which, which was remote. a TV remote, and that's yeah, got, got a that. bloody awesome little. It's got a little circular magnet essentially, and mm. the Sonic looks like it's standing up by itself, which I love because it's very minimal and stuff. This yeah. is the other end of the scale. This is very, mm. like I said, sci-fi chrome looking, and it's quite. It's a decent size as well. It's about the size of, I don't know, I don't know what to say, uh, a hockey puck, I suppose. Mm. It's like that kind of size, maybe a bit smaller. Um, but if you want to go the other way and have a bit more of a complete finished look, a bit bulkier, then this might be for you. The only thing that I would have liked is for a slightly different design for the 12th Doctor. Yeah. Because they're identical, essentially. The, the It fits both of their same props, but mm. the little claw things that they've got around it are obviously very suited to the 11th Doctor Sonic, not so much um, Capaldi's one. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen it, even if they'd just given it a slightly different tone of paint or so, just something to distinguish it would have been a real subtle difference would have been nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, do you know what, mate? It would have been, that you mm. know, I don't know if um, you're, you're looking at a picture of it, but it's got like these I little am, yeah. green rings. All I had to do was replace them with blue ones, I think. Yeah. That would have seen I mean, the Capaldi one perfect. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think that people will probably say, yeah, but it's based on the thing on the TARDIS, and maybe they, you know, that's what it is. But I agree with you. I think it would just a little subtle difference would have been really nice on this. But uh, they do look good. I mean, yeah, 100 odd quid, but uh, they do look quite nice. Um, I've got that remote, the 10th Donut remote with the little magnetic stand. Um, I love it also, but also, I also. <laughs> It drives me mad because my magnet isn't very strong and it falls over all the time. Oh no! Really? I'm always, I'm always like, it's always falling into my figures and knocking them down. <laughs> and so yeah, but I do know what you mean. It looks good as long as you just don't walk past it in our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It, it just hasn't got a very strong magnet in mine. Right. Um, right. Yeah, it's cool. Anyway, sticking with rubber toe for a second for our other bit of merch. Uh, I absolutely love this as well. But uh, again, a little bit on the pricey side. But they've also done a replica of Romana's sonic screwdriver which um, we don't see that much on screen, do we? But but it's 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 lovely. So it's really thin silver with a few little coloured sort of bands around it. It's quite simplistic in design, to be fair. But there is just something about it I love, and it comes in this really nice sort of case with the diamond logo encrusted in, what do you call that stuff? Um, not felt. Uh, <laughs> um, definitely not felt. It's like a sort of thick foam, foamy. Foam, yeah. yeah. With and it comes with a nice little um, stand as well. Uh, again, quite simplistic, but it looks looks really good. Um, now, how much is this going for? Let me click on the link because I know it's quite expensive. Is it about two hundred pounds or something like that? Okay, yeah, it's yeah, one nine nine. One nine nine, yeah. I would love this. I, I, I'm afraid it's a little bit out of my price range for what it is, but I, there is something about it I absolutely love. Yeah, and even in the little blurb about it, it says the doctor liked it so much he tried to swap it for his own as well, which I think is quite cool. Um, I'm trying to think which stories we see this in. I think, do we see it in the Nymon story? How many Nymons have you seen today? <laughs> I just wanted to mention the Nymons. No, I think we do, I think we do see it in that, I think but so. we don't. Yeah. yeah, we don't see it that much. Um, uh, in the actual show, but it's very nice. It's very nice indeed. In fact, Roberto, like you said, they seem to have sort of been quite quiet lately, and they've come back. and I bought from them ages ago the the uh, what's it called confession dial, and they do two, don't they? They do a closed version and an open version. Uh, and I bought the open one, which is really nice actually. It's a really nice piece. Okay. And then then the the closed one sort of vanished for a while, but they've put it back on their store. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And I'm sure it's cheaper than it used to be as well. But, um, yeah, I'm quite tempted with that. In fact, I'm looking at it now. Oh, it does look nice. <laughs> Next to it's the Siege Mode TARDIS, which you've got. Yeah, their stuff is lovely. You just need a few pennies in the bank to, to get them. <laughs> you do. Yeah. 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 Nice, though. Very nice, if you can afford them, yeah. Nice. Uh, also, a uh, new children's book is on the way. More books. More books, yep. The Secret in Vault A is a new children's book featuring the 13th Doctor, mm-hmm. uh, which is coming to us in autumn. It doesn't say exactly when, or does it? Uh, November, 1st of November, uh, on paperback and Kindle and audio CD. It's, um, it sounds kind of cool. Um, a little bit of blurb on this. Uh, the Doctor has faced a challenge, has never faced a challenge, sorry, quite like this. It's the coldest spot in the universe. Uh, in the coldest spot in the universe is the Galactic Seed Vault. Uh, for generations, it has existed to store and preserve examples of plant seeds from across the galaxy, ensuring that in the event of a planetary catastrophe, the seeds will survive. Mm. At its heart lies a secret, Vault 13. 
Okay. Unopened for millions of years, no one is sure what it contains. There are rumours of a great treasure or a terrible weapon. Now the Doctor and her companions are in a race with an ancient order known as the Gardeners of Tellus. To unlock the vault, whoever gains access first will discover the horrifying secret of the Genesis Seed. Mm. So this is aimed at slightly younger readers. Um, It says perfect for, well, younger readers, but also a must-have for fans. It's a perfect introduction to Doctor Who and the brilliant new series also airing in the autumn. Uh, It's written by David Solomons, who I understand is a is a, a successful children's author already. Mm. Um, what sort of stuff has he done? R- the uh, name rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think he's done a, a plenty of things. Um, uh, my gym... T- oh, yeah, it's, a, a load of his books are sort of um, relate, relating characters to, to this uh, child um, character. So um, my arch enemy is a brain in a jar... My my brother is a superhero. My evil twin is a supervillain. My gym teacher is an alien overlord. He's got these. <laughs> they sound really cool because um... no, I just have this thing about a brain in the jar. It always cracks me up. I don't know why. Morbius. Morbius. Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, one thing that's very very cool is that I love the fact that they have got an author who is clearly um, really into just great old fashioned children as an adventure. <laughs> Uh, so that's going to be cool. And apparently there's a follow-up story as well, which will be with us um, next year in 2019, around the same time. Mm. So you can get this off Amazon, obviously. It's only um, uh, £6 for the paperback, uh, £4 for the Kindle, and it's out November 1st. Mm. And the, the cover's i mean, the cover's quite kiddie, actually. I, I really didn't like it when I first saw it. But now um, it's grown on me because I can see, I can see the sort of, audience that they're aiming it for actually i think actually for them it's it's quite good that cover but yeah i didn't like it when i first saw it but mm. yeah i think for the audience it's very good and finally this is hot off the press although it won't be by the time you listen to this but it's just been announced this morning as we record that missy is returning to big finish <laughs> big well actually it's the first time she's been on big finish but she's returning as the character on big finish uh, in a new series of adventures they it's weird to blurb on this because they put the wicked incarnation of the master returns but the master's always been wicked all her incarnations <laughs> are wicked i don't know what they're on about but yeah. anyway yeah so michelle gomez um, is coming back to to the role um i should imagine she'll be really good on audio actually um, and this set, mm. you can pre-order it now. It's coming out in February 2019. Currently up for pre-order for t- uh, £23 on CD and £20 on download. Uh, how many discs is it? Probably at least three or four. Let's have a look. I believe so. Uh, five discs, actually. So a special five discs, features. Right. Fifth disc, by the sound of it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And they're doing a few, what's it say? And to celebrate the return of Missy, we're celebrating with some special offers. So get over to the big finish page if they haven't already finished by the time this goes out. Uh, so I'll just have a look, see. Yeah, so that's very cool. I, I think she'll be good on, on Big Finish myself. I think Michelle Gomez is quite the character in real life, so she'll probably be very good. Yes, I, I think she'll do very, very well on Big Finish. She's got that mm-hmm. really cool... It sounds silly, but she's got that really cool voice for audio. She's because she's quite yeah. expressive and she's you know she's quite funny at the same time. I think she'll be she'll do really well. Uh, and also, uh, Rufus Hound's going to be in it oh, as well. Yes. And I I really like Rufus. I mean, he's a massive dot two fan anyway, but he's always good fun. He's he's done a few big finish. So again, good combination there. He was in a Capaldi story, wasn't he? 
Rufus Sound? Yes, it was. Uh, was it the... Oh, no. Oh. Please don't. Why did you have to mention it? Sorry, mate. Yeah. It's, oh, uh... one of the worst. The girl who lived, wasn't it? Something like, yeah. I remember him being that in it, though. dreadful line story. Oh, yeah. awful. But he's good on Big Finish. <laughs> he is good on no, Big don't, Finish. Don't yeah. judge him by that story. He's good. Yeah. And actually, the, the special offers I mentioned, um, if you're listening to this on the podcast on the day of release, they actually finish on the Friday night at one minute before midnight. So ah. if you're listening to this on the day it comes out then and you want some special offers, get on there now. Get on there. And just yeah. a little taste of what those offers are. Um, they're doing a load of the older stuff for 99p or 199. So there's a really, really cool story. Number 49 in the main range years ago, McCoy story with Jeffrey Beavers just called Master. Oh, that's good. If you've not yeah. picked that up yet, that's only a quid. Get that. A quid? Yeah. Blimey. Yeah, I'm not I'm not BSing you. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah. Um I also noticed what was it? Uh, I saw on here earlier. Uh Dark Eyes, three and four, down to Ooh. twenty quid. So pretty much half price from the normal set. You can get light at the end, they still Flog in the old limited edition versions of that. <laughs> Very limited. Yeah, you can get that for 20 quid or 25 quid on CD. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's a few really cool little nuggets on there. So, um, yeah, go to the Big Finish website. There's a little um, there's a little banner. On I've the... been distracted. I'm looking at them now, actually, to see which, which <laughs> ones these I have and haven't got. Yeah, see, there's some good stuff on there, yeah. Yeah, so there's a little banner on there. They've got a little news panel on the homepage and it says Missy there so if you just jump on there it's got the links to actually purchase the CDs plus the link to the offers and all that lot so yeah, yeah. Missy coming to Big Finish awesome news sounds good right that's it for news and merch we're going to journey to the centre of our review <laughs> 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 uh, what are we doing this week buddy oh dear so yes we are finally getting round to doing the 11th Doctor story journey to the centre of the TARDIS Running away with a spaceman in a box, anything could happen to you. It's good salvage. I can smell it. Clara, where is she? She's still on board. If you help me get her out, you get the machine, the salvage of a lifetime. Multiple life forms on board the TARDIS. What do you keep in here? What are you, eh? A trick? A trap? We do what we came for. Tear the ship apart. If we're gonna die here, you're gonna tell me what they are. I can't. Where are we going? The centre of the TARDIS. God, that's mad, that music, isn't it? It's that trumpet. <laughs> it was that when they chose the to do... Bassy, the yeah. bass The bass yeah. I was going to say, that real bassy. I can see what they tried to do with that. I think Murray Gold was... I don't know whether it was his idea or if the Beeb said, look, we need you to go down a bit more of a classic Who route with this, so... Mm. Off you go, you little nerd. <laughs> go and lock yourself away with a piano for a little while and a bass guitar, and we'll see you in six weeks. But I remember when they... <laughs> bass guitar. <laughs> but I remember when I first heard that, I thought... <laughs> I remember when I first saw that first episode with a new theme. I was more impressed that they put a little... Uh, as the Not with the music, but as the, um, the, the video of the intros going through, you see like a very brief brief sort of half glimpse of Matt Smith's face in the staff yeah, field. Yeah, that's right, yeah. I just yeah. thought that was really cool. I thought we haven't seen any of that since Classic Who for years. 
I know. I, I remember really liking that as well. Yeah. I quite like the the theme. It's it's okay. It's not brilliant, but I, I liked it. Um, but it was it always bugs me that it's it's never ever been released. Or like I you know, know, like they do the soundtracks. I'm thinking, well, we're never going to get it now because this was Series Seven, wasn't it? Um, and it wasn't on the Series Seven soundtrack. I just that's so odd. Weird. I, th- yeah. I think it must be the only theme from the new series we haven't got, isn't it? I believe so. Must be. Yep. Yeah, because yep. all the others have got. It. So it's always really bugged me. Although it's not like the best theme. It, uh, you know, the completest in me. I, I just never understood why <laughs> that didn't get put on the soundtrack because I quite like the thumping bass. You know, yeah. but anyway, maybe Murray didn't like it. Don't know because I think he gets to some say in the soundtrack. So maybe he didn't like it. Yeah, I think, do you know what, generally over the past five years, I think the, the state of, of Doctor Who soundtracks has just been one big sorry affair, really. Mm. We've had tracks that have been missing. We've had uh, box sets that have been years late. Yeah. You know, it's just been, and then we've had, prob- it's just been a real, yeah. Anyways, mm. gen- journey, gen- journey to the centre of the TARDIS. It was out in April of 2013. It was part of Series 7. Written by Stephen Thompson, directed by Matt King. Small cast, this one. It's just the Doctor and Clara. Uh, and then we have, um, like, the three the three brothers. The Van Balen brothers. Gregor, mm-hmm. Gregor, Bram, and Tricky. And the story is... Um, the... The Doctor is like, look, Clara, don't be afraid of the TARDIS. It's all good. You have a turn. It all goes south when he lowers the shields and puts it in basic mode. These three brothers, they're sort of like salvage people. They take um, sort of floating ships in and dismantle them for money and all the rest of it. They take the TARDIS in, realise that there's survivors there. The Doctor basically says, look, if you help me find her, you can have this awesome payload, if you like. It will be like the best bit of salvage you've ever had and he dupes them into thinking that there's a self-destruct. They go off, they try and find Clara. In the meantime, Clara is legging around the TARDIS away from these little crispy-looking zombie mm-hmm. things. It turns crispy out that the, um, the TARDIS engine, the core, has been damaged, so there's like a little rift. There's like a little break in time, and Clara's shifted out a little bit so they can't see her. Uh, they end up finding her, and then that's it. It's one of those big, here, I'm from the future, press literally press this button and everything's going to reset and be okay. Thumbs up and on we go. It is the ultimate reset button, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. What do you reckon to this one, mate? It's, uh, uh, oh God, what do you reckon? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I I just, I remember being so excited when this was announced as a story before it aired, you know, because I love, like, I love the TARDIS and, you know, in Classic Who, whenever we've explored the TARDIS, I always love it. You know, like in Castrovelva and Legopolis and Edge of Destruction, where we get to see other rooms of the TARDIS. I always think it's a treat, you know, and it, it's bugged me how much, how little, sorry, that they've shown of the other rooms in the TARDIS in the new series, you know, especially during sort of Tenants era. And, and I just kept thinking, come on, go off and explore the other rooms. Let's see where, you know, the rest of it. Um, so when they announced this story, I was just like, oh, hurrah, we're actually going to see more of what's inside the TARDIS at last about blimmin' time. And then what we got was just this mess of a story <laughs> that goes absolutely nowhere and literally just kicks the viewer in the 
you know what, by having a massive reset button at the end. <laughs> it's, it's just a massive two fingers up to all the fans that kept moaning about that. Because, um, you know, there was quite a few times in the Moff era when we had, you know, the same thing. So there, there are bits of it I like, and I, I think it's watchable enough. I don't think it's dreadful. I, I was quite happy to sit and watch it yesterday, but there are so many bits in it that bug me as well that it just completely ruins my enjoyment of the story as a whole. So, yeah, not not brilliant, this one. Watchable, but it, I just think it's such a missed opportunity. It was just such a letdown for, for what it could have been, I think. Because there is some great stuff going on in there, I think. Some good ideas, you know. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it just doesn't come to fruition for me. I was really – I was disappointed when, at the end of it when I watched it the first time, and I, I still feel the same rewatching it again. I just think, oh – that could have been that could have been good, you know. That's how I feel about it. It could have been good, but it but it wasn't. Oh, sorry, it was good, but it could have been great. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So yeah. a missed opportunity for me, mate. What do you think? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to agree with you, mate. I think it's one of the biggest missed opportunities in 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 current Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. Because, like you said, everybody loves the TARDIS in in whichever way you you view the TARDIS, whether you view it as a, just a vessel that the Doctor travels in, or whether you do go down the road of there's a very intimate relationship and connection between the, the Doctor and the TARDIS, which is supposedly supposedly alive and, you know, they have this sort of love for each other, really. Whichever view you take on it, it's always fascinating whenever we get any insight into anything outside the console room, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And... This could have been one of those amazing Sunday afternoon, feel-good, classic-driven, you know those old stories like, I forget the name of the film, but there's a really famous old-school adventure film where they get miniaturised and put in someone's body. In a space or something like that. In a space or fantastic, or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It could have been one of those really cool things like that where it's like, come on, this is brilliant. But unfortunately, it ended up being something like, a, well, in, in two respects, really. The first one is we didn't really see any of the TARDIS. That was just really disappointing. Of, just a load of boring corridors that don't, they, they look more like Dalek corridors, don't they? It's as if the yeah. doctors borrowed a few Dalek Exactly. Um, plan, you know, decorating mm-hmm. plans, yeah. So we got to see a couple of extra bits, like the the engine room with like those tentacles. Which is nice, I like the that room. Pods. That was okay. And then we got to see like the huge chasm that they end up towards the end. But that ended up just being a, that wasn't real, that was just the TARDIS projection to try and steer them away from whatever they were doing. Mm. We could have seen some amazing, They, I mean, the de- the design team, they could have gone to town with this episode. Yes, yeah, you know? absolutely. But it ended up just being a bunch of corridors and a couple of extra rooms, you know, that weren't, I mean, they were good, but they weren't, I didn't watch it and think, oh my God, this is, wow, like this is what the TARDIS is like, really. Mm. And and the other thing is, as the Matt Smith era just, era just falls foul of this so many times, especially when the moth's involved, is that it always leads back to being about Clara. Oh, no. You know? Oh. Like the climax of this episode should have been about saving the TARDIS. You know, that's what it should have been about. It should have mm. been about saving themselves from the TARDIS, but also saving the TARDIS 
so that they can get on their way and let's resume adventures. But the climatic scene was about the Doctor asking Clara who she really is. And we're, it's like, come on, we don't need... In the middle of the story, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I can see the I can see the reasoning behind it. It's like that scene where like he thinks they're going to die, so he wants to get the truth before they perish and whatever. But then that, that ends up being a ruse anyway. Mm. You know, and it ends up being about Clara again. So it's really disappointing. It really is a... It, even the acting's not that great in this one either. Mm. You know, from the supporting cast mainly, but... Uh, it's. Uh, I was so so looking forward to watching this one and thinking, right, we're really gonna get rubbing our hands together. Right, it's gonna be about the TARDIS. Mm. We're gonna see so much cool stuff, and it ends up just being a bit of a chase scene repeated, and then a reset. It's just really disappointing. I, I've got to agree with you about the the, the set designers as well, because like I said, God, you know that the TARDIS should be wondrous. You know, this should like this this episode should be a wondrous episode mm-hmm. exploring the TARDIS. Like you said, they really could have gone to town. I don't know if it's down to budget. Um, I the, the thing is, Series Seven had quite a decent budget, from what I remember. This was the series that the Moth was like every episode's going to look like a mini movie, wasn't it? Yeah. So they they were yeah. putting money into Doctor Who at this point. So I can't really put it down to the budget, um, particularly. I'm sure they you know did the best they could, but on what they had. But like you said, even the corridors just look so bland. There's not, not even a roundel. <laughs> Give me a roundel. I'll probably be even happy with that. But yeah, there's the, you know, the production side of it really lets it down. I do love the room you mentioned with all the hanging lights or whatever. That's lovely. Mm. I mean, that, that looks nice. And I can imagine on paper when they were drawing that, it probably looked really cool. And I do like that. It's about the only thing in it that has any sort of imagination yeah. in terms, in terms of design. And I, and I've got to say, right, you know, we talk about, you know, the fact it could have been the budget, right? So you say, well, you know, they could probably only do so much. I'm going to give an example here. One room that sticks in my mind all the time when I think about the new series and looking inside the TARDIS is from the Christmas Invasion when the Doctor's choosing his costume. And we get a CGI shot of just a beautiful spiral staircase leading down and the Doctor's in another room. And yeah, it's on screen for like seconds and it's CGI, so it doesn't look all that great but it's still a beautiful design isn't it it's just like you know i mean it just looks like they've put some thought into it and it really fits in with the rest of the tardis in that era this to me like i said those corridors could be anywhere they could be on a dalek ship for all i know it just doesn't feel like the tardis at all it's, it feels really cold and dark and yeah I, I just like you said i just think the design people on this could have had a great time but it seems like they couldn't be bothered or it seems like somewhere along the line it just didn't happen so i know you know the scene i mean for that spiral yeah. staircase yeah. it's beautiful yeah you know and it's yeah so i would have liked to have seen stuff like that something with a bit of imagination into it really and i mean that's you know that's just like design side of the episode let you know we haven't even got onto the actual <laughs> story of the episode yet um you know it's just yeah just as a whole it just doesn't really work for me like i said there's a there's 45 minutes i i sat there and i was I wasn't bored at all. I'll be honest with you. Although the story wasn't brilliant, I didn't find myself looking at my phone too much. I did sort of quite, I was quite engaged by the actual story, but I also just kept thinking all the time, ah, you know, like you said about the performances, oh dear, they're not very good. And oh, that's not very good. But you know, it still entertained me, I suppose, enough for 45 minutes. But yeah, it's just (laughs) frustrating more than anything. I think I just found it a frustrating watch. Yes. No, I I completely agree, mate. It's one of those, like I said, it's, you just, 
I think it's one of those really hyped up stories as well. It sort of mm. gets you, just the title alone really gets you in hyped up for it. And Series 7 was when they were releasing those movie-style posters. Yeah. And so you got that treatment as well, and you thought, right, this is going to be an epic. It's a good poster yeah. for this as well, because I've, I've got it on screen now on the wiki page. And it's quite an interesting, you look at that poster, you think, oh, you know, this looks cool. Mm-hmm. This is like, it might be good. <laughs> yeah. Although from a distance, it looks like the Doctor and Clara are in an aquarium. <laughs> Actually, it does now. You've ruined it. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah. But let's, um, before we get on to some details and cast members, there are some good things to the story, though. Mm-hmm. The actual, the, the sort of build-up at the beginning where the Doctor's trying to get those three dudes into looking for Clara, it does that does feel like the start of a cool adventure, even if we don't actually get the delivery of that. Mm. You know, it's it's very cool that the Doctor's immediately into safe companion mode, which he, he should be, you know. And so that that's really cool. And he's, you can kind of see him, he's using his sort of devious mind a little bit there because he's, he's tricking them basically, isn't he, into saying mm. you know, everything's going to blow up <laughs> unless you... Unless we save Clara. We save the TARDIS, that means we save Clara. Yeah. There's a time limit. And and even though the greedy sort of salvage um, scavengers don't really adhere to that, it's still a great, it's a great sort of little lead up scene because it's all a bit light and fluffy at the beginning when Clara's flying the TARDIS. But then when it kicks off and something goes wrong, that that scene there, up until the bit where we just see them walking through the corridors... That that block there is very very cool. I, I'll go as far as to say I actually quite enjoyed the first half of this story. Right. So right. for for the, for a good sort of probably ten fifty minutes, you know, I was thinking, okay, the yeah, the, the performances from the supporting cast mm, are letting it down. But actually, I'm I'm on board with this. I'm you know quite like what's going on. I like the bit with the doctor sort of saying, right. We've got an hour to save the TARDIS. Right, okay, it's gone down to half an hour. Do you want to waste any more time? Right, it's gone down to 15 minutes. And I was thinking, yeah, this is quite, this isn't bad. You know, it's not too bad. It just sort of, yeah, I think it's the second half of the episode that really lets it down for me. As I said, I was quite enjoying it up, up to a point, really. I'm trying to think where it all started to go wrong. Because there's, there's some good creepy stuff with Clara walking around the TARDIS being sort of followed by those... Whatever, they, what did you call them? The crispy monsters. <laughs> yeah, the little zombie crispy things, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's quite good, and that was quite creepy, so I was quite liking all that stuff, but I think it's when the guy was revealed to be human and not an android, and then, when, then we start having this sort of supposed to be emotional stuff, and I was sort of thinking, what? what what's going on now? You know, and I was thinking, how could he not know he was human? Like, just because someone tells you an android... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's where it's I think that's where it just started to all get a little bit and then we get the stuff about yeah who are you Clara and then the reset and I think yeah it's more the second half of the episode really that I just it fell apart <laughs> for me but but I do like you said I think there was some good stuff going on I think there's a good sort of idea in there yeah quite a good yeah. concept in there to, to start with yeah yeah I think it's the I think overall it's the it's the issue of having a great idea but either not having the budget to do it properly or just not having the vision by whoever was doing this block of, of episodes to actually, you know, deliver it properly. And, yeah. and I'll be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of, of of Steve Thompson's writing either, I must admit. The other episodes that he's that he wrote for Doctor Who are The Curse of the Black Spot oh dear. and Time Heist. 
Mm. Uh, you know, so out of the three that he's that he's contributed for Doctor Who, they're the least favourites, to be honest with you. They're not a standout, no, not definitely not. No. no, I know he wrote a few episodes. I, I don't, I've never seen the show, but you'll be more qualified to answer this more than me. But um, he's wrote a few episodes for Sherlock. Don't know if they're any good. Oh, did he? Yeah, the the blind banker, um, the the Reichenbach fall, and uh-huh. the sign of three. The sign yes. of three. He co-wrote with Mark Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat. So I don't know if they're any good for Sherlock, but. Not mm. ringing, not ringing any. No, I was going to say they're not standing out as um, they're okay, <laughs> but they're not great. Yeah. yeah. So mm. I thought that I thought that the script was it's one of those scripts where it's not badly written, but for me it was just very predictable because mm. the characters they tried to do their best to provide some sort of connection to the characters, the supporting guys at least, but it just seemed to like the android guy who ends up. He finds out he's human. Yeah. Um, which is very, very far-fetched, isn't it? It's a really silly idea. Yeah. I, I don't just don't get it. It's a bit like, which episode is it where someone's wearing an eye patch? And then they take it off and they had an eye all along. And you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> what story is that? Do you remember? They're, they're, I'm sure, uh, I didn't imagine that, did I? I'm sure there's a story where someone... Is it Mark Gatiss or someone? I can't remember now. Someone will be shouting at us. One of our listeners will know. I'm sure there's a story where someone removes their eye patch and like, oh my gosh, I had an eye all the time. And you're like thinking, come on, guys. It wasn't the it wasn't the woman in the River Song, you know, who steals Is it? River Song as a baby. Oh, oh. She had a little eye. Was it? No, she didn't no, take it No, I don't think it's you? her. No. I can't remember. Somebody listening will know and they'll be able to tell us, but I'm, I'm sure I didn't imagine that. Um, and again, it feels a bit like the same with this. It's just like, you know, it's just a ridiculous idea that probably was okay on paper, but then when you think it through, you think, no, that should have been that should have yeah. been taken out because it adds nothing at all to the story either, does it? It adds absolutely nothing to this story. Not really, no. It has no point whatsoever, apart from trying to eject a bit of emotion into it. But it did, yeah, it does nothing really. The brick had an eye patch for a while. Oh well, that's alternative universe. We can. That's quite acceptable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But the thing with that android type character was that we always knew that something was going to happen with him towards the end of the story. Mm. Either he was. I when I first watched this, I thought, well, he's going to be the only survivor. You know, the the older ones who had picked on him the whole time. They're going to get their comeuppance, and he's going to survive. Or he's. We're going to find out what happened to him because they alluded to it a little bit throughout the story that. There, there was a big accident, killed their dad, and so on. So you, you knew that at the end of the story that there was going to be a bit of payoff there. You knew that Clara was going to be okay, and we knew that the TARDIS was going to be okay. So mm. there was a big level of predictability throughout the scripts. There wasn't, I, there wasn't any. What would have been handy was some kind of twist in this story. It would have been. Ha- I don't know off the top of my head what that would be, but for some reason this sort of plays by numbers as you go through it. You just go yeah. from sort of the opening act, which I quite enjoy, as you said, is pretty cool. Then you get the middle act, which is where everything's going to to crap. But it would have been nice in that middle act to have some kind of twist. I mean, the, obviously the twist we knew um, that we find out that the android is human. But I mean, it would have been nice to have had, had a twist in terms of the overall story to do with the TARDIS. Mm. You know, that would have been nice because the final act just feels very... 
well, first of all, it feels so predictable. Like everyone survived. Well, the Doctor and Clara survive, obviously. The android dude survives. Um, the TARDIS is all going to be, will be okay. But the final act is also that let down with the big reset thing. I was going to say, by having the reset button, it just feels like it makes it a total filler episode. Because like you said, there is no point to the episode. It is literally just, hey, we're back to the start. Everything's cool again. Let's go. It's, it makes it feel like a complete filler of an episode because of that. Um, you could have had a good twist. I mean, because I couldn't work out, like, at first, I was thinking, well, how come the Doctor's outside the TARDIS after it crashes and he's lost Clara? Like, they were in the console room together. So how has that happened? Yeah. Now, yeah. am I right in thinking it's because of this split yes. timeline? Because yeah. he pulls the three. So that's cool. So that that in itself, you know, that's a good little twist. They could have made more of that, couldn't they? Because I was thinking yeah, that's yeah. just sort of over and done with within seconds. Oh, okay, we're all good again. And also, there's two legs under the TARDIS. Somebody's dead. Like, Who's that meant to be? You know, at the start, I was thinking, what? Uh, maybe it's just one of the workers. Don't they see two legs under all those wires? Or am I? Because I, I couldn't be bothered to go back and watch. <laughs> I'm sure there's a bit when the TARDIS is all crashed out at the beginning, where they sort of see maybe they pick up a life form under or something. But I don't know. Isn't it the Doctor? Is that the Doctor? I think so. So, what, he's under all the... Because yeah. he just suddenly appears behind them. Okay, all right. So he's supposed to have been somehow ejected out of the TARDIS. Yes, then. yeah. So all right. And again, this is probably... It's either me being a little bit dim, or it's down to the direction. And I'd like to think it's down to the direction, because I wasn't very clear quite what was going on, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. Like, are all those wires that are at the base, base of the TARDIS, are they supposed to be coming out of the TARDIS, or is that just something that's crash-landed on? I don't know. Because I don't, again, yeah. I was trying to work out what was going on there. You know, it just, I'm going to put it down to the direction. It might be me just not paying enough attention, but a lot of things were not that clear to me um, watching this as well. So I'm going to say a direction was a bit off, <laughs> but it could be me. <laughs> yeah. No, there was definitely, there's definitely a, a few things throughout the, the episode where I think the direction needed to be a bit more. I mean, they could have saved some of it in the edit, really. Like, and the editing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a scene where one of the dudes is trying to dismantle the, the TARDIS console. And um, as he's doing it, as he's approaching it, I think, uh, what was his name? The big one, Bram. Mm. And as he's doing it, you can hear very subtly audio clips from Classic Who and some That's other right. Doctor yeah, Who yeah. stories. Yeah. But it's so faint, it kind of loses its impact a little bit. Totally, yeah, because that's the sort of thing I would have really liked as well, because you just about hear them. I think I picked up on the ninth Doctor saying something about you, you couldn't get so-and-so through those doors or something. Uh -huh. So, they're, yeah, they're definitely there, but like you said, they're so subtle, yeah, you couldn't I, really hear them. I heard the clip from Rose. I heard, yeah, that's I heard it. that clip as well. But it would have been nice to have those things a bit... Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's great if that subtle little thing. It's like, did I, did I just hear something mm. from that story? It does engage your mind a little bit and it's quite cool but well, apparently there's clips from i'm just looking at wikipedia it says there's clips from unearthly child colony in space robots of death rose smith and jones beast below and the doctor's wife and also the end of time <laughs> so there's quite a lot of clips there but like you the only one i heard was rose yeah and i might have heard the end of time when i can't remember now mm. i know it's a bit like that's what i mean so there were the things where they were obviously finished filming and they're putting all the, the effects in and they're editing and they're putting all the final production pieces in place. 
Yeah. They could have they could have tweaked a few things in the edit really, like increasing the audio for that stuff. They could have minimized the length of time it takes for them to run down one corridor into another corridor and into another mm. one and just maybe expanded some of the scenes where we're getting a bit more character progression. Because by the time in the episode where Bram gets killed by one of those zombie things, I just didn't care. I had no emotional connection to that character. So when he got bumped off, I was like, okay, he's gone. Do you know what? I actually had forgotten he even existed until you just mentioned him. Exactly, <laughs> He's mate. the guy that climbs down the yeah. base of the console. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, there you go. I, I actually completely forgot all about him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm going to try not to be too... too negative yeah, but but i'm gonna say this while i remember it the other thing i would have loved to have seen in this episode which they try and do but it is so half-assed is you know we we clara goes exploring the tardis so we see the swimming pool oh great tardis swimming pool that's <laughs> nice and we see the library which i really like like the library even though it's ridiculous that the doctor's left the time war book opened with a big crest on it saying the time war um so that all looks <laughs> nice but then we get her exploring this room and she picks up a few little objects. Now, this this is your chance to throw in a few little nostalgic nods, isn't it? Of course. So, yep. for me, straight away, you want the Doctor's question mark umbrella in there. Come on, where is it? <laughs> no. She picks up this one that looks like something out of Paradise Towers, which I'm sure is just a coincidence. I don't think they actually thought... It's not the that. same. It just looks quite similar. Yeah. But I don't even, yeah, I doubt they even realised it was, uh, but anyway, yeah. but yeah, question mark umbrella, maybe the fourth Doctor's scarf. Um, I mean, she picks up the TARDIS, which looks like a little bit like the one Amy had and, and a mm. magnifying glass. I think that's it. But you could have had a few nice little objects in there. You could have had like a, a classic Sonic maybe, or, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to try and do a nostalgia scene, don't do it half, you know, d- don't go in there half hearted just go for it you know to just put a few nice little bits in there i mean even in series 10 when the doctor had that thing on his desk with all the sonics in i liked that yeah it's cool. just there yeah. on the desk it's just a real nice little touch to the episode you know let's have some you know it could have had some of that in it and it would have definitely you know yeah. made made some a nicer scene in the tardis because that's a real uh, another missed opportunity for me is that scene where Clara's picking up a few nostalgic ob- objects. Yes. You know, yeah. we see that the doctor's nicked the telescope as well from <laughs> that. What's that story? The, the, is it, um, the werewolf one, he's got the telescope. Hasn't oh yes. Yeah. It? God knows how he got that in the yeah. TARDIS. But anyway, so there's a few little nods, but for me again, another waste of opportunity. I'd have loved to send a few little classic hmm. things dotted. At. Maybe the doctor's flute, you know, just something, just give us a little more than, whatever yeah. a magnifying glass and an umbrella <laughs> i know what you, you know? mean yeah and again it's again i'm putting it down to the production <laughs> it's just you know it's just not been i don't feel there's much love gone into it yeah no I, I agree with you and i'm trying really hard not to throw too much negative stuff up there but i, I think this is a moffat thing because we've said Very it a few moff- times in the past where the moff just seems to really shy away from referencing anything mm-hmm. prior to his era so the things that that Clara comes across is things from the apart from one, which is not even a proper thing we think anyway. So the the umbrella, yeah, which supposedly yeah. looks like the one used in Paradise Towers, it's not even the same. It's just resemblant, you know, resembles mm. that. But the other things will be, you know, the cot that Amy Pond. Oh yeah, the cot. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the magnifying glass on Power Three may be used by Donna in Unicorn and a Wasp. And also, um, she thinks it's the one that um, 
Amy finds in the TARDIS in the lodger. So okay. if we discount the umbrella from Paradise Towers, because that's not even a proper thing, all we've, all we've got is three or four little props from Moffat's era. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, actually, no, a unicorn and a wasp. But, you know, so you're absolutely right. Like the whole episode, which is a massive missed opportunity, this was, again, a missed opportunity. They could have littered that thing. Not, it doesn't even have to smack you in the face. It could have been one of those things where, if you're so inclined, you can go back and scan that scene as many times as you want, uh, you want and pick out little things like, oh, look, there's... Yeah, there's the, um, the Doctor's yo-yo. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the, the there's flute. a bag of jelly babies look. It, could have, it didn't have to be in your face. It could have exactly. just been there for you to see, but there's nothing, is there? Nothing no. at all. No. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. So in terms of... Because um, we normally talk about direction... Um, quality editing and so on. Like all of Series 7, it looks very nice. I was going to say, it does look nice. Yeah. It's one of those things where I'm hoping we're going to see a same jump up in sort of cinematic quality when we see Jodie's era. But Mm. you can definitely tell when you've shifted from the RTD era, the BBC have obviously invested lots in cameras, cinematography, that sort of thing. So it looks really nice. Even now, going back, this is what... Uh, six years old, five. Was this 2013? Yeah. yeah. About yeah. just well, over five years old. Mm. It still looks really, really nice. It's a great looking uh, story. Editing yeah. wise, it's fine. You know, it moves along at a, a, a decent enough pace. We're not left thinking, oh, crikey, what's going on on Instagram at the minute? Yeah, no, I wasn't bored. I will say that. Yeah. I wasn't, yeah. 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 Um, it's just the overall feeling of the of the, the story you know it, that's diff, that differs from having a good looking story to just how it feels and how it watches mm-hmm. you know the whole thing just feels like even when the um the the end scene where the doctor presses the button and we're back in the TARDIS and everything's fine I'm still sitting there at this on this story thinking where's the rest yeah you know what where's the rest of the TARDIS so yeah because we do see we see the eye of harmony as well which that's quite a big deal isn't it you know, the eye, the eye of harmony, it should be, should really be a bit more wow factor, really. It should but, be. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I like the reference to the eye of harmony in the TV movie, you know. Well, that's, that's exactly what it makes me think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Mm. Anyways. And actually, you know, the room that they go into where, you, you know, the, the youngest of the brothers, and I think he comes across as the captain or the leader. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Gregor. 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 Van Br- yeah. So he's like the captain, isn't he? A little tenuous link. Mm. He he stars in that recently released Sky One show, Bulletproof, with Noel Clark. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so they've both been in Who. Yeah, that's cool. I recognised him, actually. I'm sure yeah. I've seen him in other stuff. He's been yeah. in loads of things. Ashley yeah. Walters, yeah. 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 And uh, what's I saying? He's um, There's a bit where he's scanning, isn't he? And his scanner says... The value is, you know, unfathomable or something. And what's in mm. his room, everything and all yeah. that stuff. And he gets in there and there's like these pods. Is it the same kind of room that we see? You remember the Capaldi story, The Witch is Familiar, I think. Mm-hmm. Is it the same room where we see Davros with all those hanging <laughs> No, 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 but it's weird, isn't it? I thought exactly the same, same thing. Same crop, though. 
Yeah, it does look it does look similar. Yeah, they've obviously reused, it, haven't they? I think so. It, they, it like, could it could be the same. It does. I I, I thought the same thing. Hmm. I, I I think that they are the same things they've used. They've Wires, reused. Yeah, them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, I thought that room was quite cool. Mm. Um, and that's what I mean. As, as we go from each bit, each scene, it does sort of go along at a decent pace. Um, just would have been cool to see more of those amazing TARDIS rooms. And also, you know the things like the library and the swimming pool? Yeah. Well, Clara's like really surprised by them. Has she not, has she, you know, she's been travelling with him for a while now. Has she not seen this stuff before? I kept thinking like she's like really amazed by the library, isn't she? And I'm like, has the Doctor not taken to this library before? Because you'd think while they're travelling around, they might just go and explore a little bit. Surely they don't just sit in the TARDIS console room all the time. Because you know, she just she seems surprised by everything she sees. Oh wow, a swimming pool! <laughs> well, surely the doctor said to her, "Hey, Clara, got a swimming pool out the back." <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah, I don't know, mate. It's a yeah. It's I don't know. I was going to say something else, but I won't. Yes, let's reserve that. <laughs> well, that, that's the whole crux of the thing. You know, the TARDIS <laughs> should have a bajillion. Amazing Where's Romana's bedroom? Cool rooms, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's just that predictability thing that I mentioned earlier. It's just, oh, yeah, another corridor. Oh, yeah. A swimming pool. We've mentioned that loads of times. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. River Song land in the pool when she's falling through? She's falling off a building and the doctor she? positions the TARDIS with the doors open and she falls down into the pool. And Oh, what? Is that the... Oh, you could be right. That's a long time since I've watched that two-parter. That's the one Whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think whatever it is, yeah. Yeah. So we've seen all these things we've seen and we've, you know, the library we know of, the swimming pool, the engine room, the stuff. The only thing that could have been a saving grace would have been the actual core of the TARDIS. That could have looked just otherworldly and mm. amazing, but... Yeah. I just wanted to see a roundel, mate. <laughs> just one, but no, no roundels in sight. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Characters. Like you say, it's quite a small cast, isn't yeah. it, on this one? So the yeah. three bros, one of them you even <laughs> forgot about. So Yeah, I know, terrible. That says it? that. Yeah, Completely so, forgot about him. Yeah, so that is so the the big older brother, the tallest one, he gets bumped off fairly early. He's called Bram. Mm. Bram, okay. He's the R. muscle R. Bram. of the outfit, clearly. Mm-hmm. So the way that I the impression I got from this was you've got Gregor, Ashley Walters, who's the brains, supposedly. Yeah. You've got Bram, played by Mark Oliver, who's the muscle. Yeah. And then you've got Tricky, who's the... Brains. Who's very, ironically, been tricked into thinking he's an android. Why would you even do that, though? Well, like, then, you might do it for, like, five minutes as a joke, but you would... Would you... I, don't, I just can't get my head around it. Anyway... Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. He does explain, doesn't he? He says that he wanted to secure his position as captain when his dad died because yeah, his dad right. was going to make him captain. So he was like, I've, my opportunity here. He's had his memory wiped or whatever, hmm. implants, but he doesn't know where he is or who he is. So now I can use this as an opportunity to make myself captain sort of thing. Very strange. Yeah. So what hmm. do you think to the big guy then, Bram? Well, the guy who gets bumped off. One you don't remember, yeah. I don't remember it. No, um, yeah, uh, honestly, forgettable. That's all I can say. He's, he's just forgettable, isn't he? Yeah, not great. You know, not yeah. Great. 
what about uh, Tricky then? The the Android one. He's not an Android. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It, what performance performance wise? I don't think the supporting cast are that great. Really. I mean, he's probably the second. He's the second least rubbish. <laughs> so uh, let's put it this way: I think Ashley Walters as Gregor is is giving a bit more performance. Then you've got Bram, who's just a little bit less dull, and then you've got the other one, who I can't ever remember. So supporting cast-wise, they don't really do a particularly good job, I don't think. I like I didn't sort of care about any of them. You know, I couldn't care less if they fell over into the eye of harmony because <laughs> they're not very likable anyway, are they? They're just there to salvage and. You know, they're not likable characters. So, yeah. I mean, performance-wise, the only one that really stands out out of the three for me is Ashley Walters. He gives a little bit more performance. You know, I thought he was decent. You know, and as I said, I recognise him from other things, so he's clearly gone on to do better things. But, but yeah, performance-wise, he's the only one really out of the three that stands out in any way to me is, is uh, Gregor. Yeah, I, th- I thought the... I thought Tricky, the android, he had a couple of decent little scenes where he could have... Mm. Well, he does, actually. He does... Um, it's quite nasty when he gets impaled, actually. I've yeah, forgotten about that. Yeah. That's quite harsh, that scene. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think... Yeah, Tricky, I think he has a couple of decent little scenes. Mm. Um, Javel Hall. And, yeah, so Ashley Waters, he's not too bad. But I will be honest, mate, overall, those three like, supporting cast just didn't really do it for me at all. No, no, they weren't strong. No, even I didn't at, feel any bonds between them either. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. And even at the end of the story, I, I couldn't care less if they survived or if they got killed or whatever. No, I just didn't have any. Because I know they're not. They're not supposed to be these, um, sort of good guys loving. You know, and you form a, a connection with them and stuff. And, and then they're not written that way. They're meant to be these sort of scallywags. You know, just. Uh, flying around, picking up salvage, you know, the scavenge. They're not meant to be morally brilliant, lovable characters. Mm. I get that. But even so, at the end, I was just completely like, nah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of them's dead. Fine, whatever. These two have survived, whatever. It was just a real sort of meh moment at the end. Like, mm. a little bit of sort of, you know, what's the word? That They sort of patched it up a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, you know they sort of treated treated him as a as a brother now, not just a servant android thing. At the end, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I think we were supposed to care about that a lot more than we do. I think that that whole sort of twisted in brackets was supposed to have more of an impact than it than it actually does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Oh, there's no there's no other supporting cast. No, uh, there is no other supporting cast. What about Clara then? To my surprise, actually, I actually quite liked um. Jenna in this I'm, it's weird because I don't really like Jenna Coleman I don't really like Clara so there aren't many stories where I particularly like her but I thought she was okay in this and um, she I mean she is very bossy and she there's that bit where she punches the doctor and it's like oh groan but <laughs> but actually I thought performance wise she wasn't too bad because you know when she's sort of running around and looking scared and sometimes I do like her feistiness, I have to say. So maybe Clara's growing on me the more I rewatch it, but I thought Jenna was actually fairly decent in this, I'll be honest. Um, you know, she, certainly not amazing, but considering sort of what she was given to work with, I thought she was quite good. Yeah. I like. I think she bounced quite well off Matt Smith here. I mean, there's the bit when she's demanding to be told what the crispy creatures are. And she's, you know, okay. I thought performance-wise she was decent 
yeah, not great, but decent. I, I didn't mind her in this at all, actually. Okay, mm. yeah, decent. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame that the story had to come round to <laughs> Clara again, mm. because I think that times where her performance is pretty decent, as it is in this one, she does, she can be a good sort of supportive companion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think the Doctor sometimes, especially Matt Smith, Matt Smith Doctor is very, very capable. You know, he doesn't need, he doesn't need any, well, it depends on the story, but overall he doesn't need those stories to be driven by anyone other than him. Mm. You know, he's very, he's so good at, and we've said it, man. Yeah, yeah, and we've said it plenty of times that mediocre scripts and poor stories have been saved at certain points because of Matt Smith's performance and how he's yeah. treated the story. And uh, yeah, I just feel like sometimes, yeah, it's just it's just weird the way that they constantly loop round um, series seven, six, and seven. Just seem to constantly loop round to Clara and uh, mm. it's a shame because her performance like you said is is pretty good and some yeah, of those I mean, scenes uh, are really and, good and the, the humour as well I mean there's a bit where the doctor's like you know, make sure you keep that door shut Clara and she's like believe me that won't be a problem and you know sometimes her feisty little <laughs> one-liners uh, they do I think you know I think uh, she's okay actually Course, um, yeah. I think you know like you said the whole Clara thing just uh, unfortunately dominates a lot of um, you know Matt's era and stuff and Capaldi's era, so she, she does get annoying. And but yeah, no, I thought she was fairly fairly decent in this. To be fair, yeah, yeah, and it's not. Let's let's get it um, straight. Clara is a is a good companion. Is a good character. Mm. It's not Jenna Coleman's fault that she's been constantly written into the limelight for a majority of her her run. Um, but her there are certain character there. I think it's a bit like Amy Pond and Rose to an extent where overall they're very good and their performances and the majority of their stories are really good. But they do have the odd episode where they're just a bit whiny or whingy or whatever. And I think Clara has those episodes where you just think, oh, shut up, Clara. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I prefer Clara with with Capaldi, actually. Right, Right. But probably more... Um, in series eight, maybe I don't know. I forget, but yeah, I, I prefer her with Capaldi. I think, and well, when I say I don't like Jenna, it's because you know that's my own personal. I didn't have a very good experience when I met Jenna, so unfortunately, every time I see her on screen, I kind of mix my my sort of annoyance with Jenna with Clara sometimes as well. So sometimes I'm like, oh, Jenna Coleman. Um, but you know, that's a personal thing, you know. And but but also the fact that Clara was so central to a lot of the era does become annoying. I don't mind the scene that you mentioned it earlier. It, again, it's frustrating that we have to come back to the story being about Clara, not the TARDIS, but you know, the scene where he's like, who are you? And yeah. I thought they were very in performance wise. I actually thought that was a good scene, but I agree with you that it's, it was a little bit of a groan moment as well of really in the middle of the, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but I actually thought that was a good performance from the two of them in that scene when they're on that cliff edge. And he's like, come on then, we may as well get it over with. Who who are you? And why do you keep popping up? And she just hasn't got a clue what he's on about. And mm-hmm. I, so I quite like that scene, but I agree with you. It just felt like maybe a bit wrong wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> yeah. No, it's absolutely right. And I think, um, yeah, just to circle back, what I was saying, there are scenes, uh, episodes, sorry, where 
you just think, oh, shut up, Clara. You know. Oh, there are there are it. some episodes where she really irritates me when she's just too obnoxious, <laughs> yes. and that's yeah. down to the writing, not nothing to do with Jenna. That's yeah. yeah. There are stories when she's written as very obnoxious, and I can't stand it. Um, but in this one, I just thought she had a couple of little one-liners. I don't like the bit where she punches him. She's it's just save your blimmin' life for goodness sake, you know. <laughs> but but otherwise, I thought she was okay in this one. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say in this particular story, she's not too bad. She's okay. Uh, did you notice the little because obviously there's all this stuff you know in recently with Doctor about sexism and stuff like that and there was that little line at the beginning wasn't there which um i would ne- i'd never picked up on before but there's the bit where the doctor says i'll turn off the stuff so you can fly a tardis and she says is it because i'm a girl and matt pulls this really sort of smirky face behind <laughs> her back and I, d- I didn't like that i was thinking oh no don't do that because that's oh, really? it's showing yeah. showing the doctor to be a bit of a well it reminded me of the sort of sexist way the first doctor was written in in twice upon a time i was thinking no don't write the doctor as a sexist idiot you know and it's a very small moment i've never noticed it before but maybe just because of all the stuff recently my senses have been heightened to these sort of things do you know what i mean I read you. Yeah. but i just thought it was a very it was a bit of a sort of childish smirk that i didn't like <laughs> in the doctor's personality really but yeah yeah i read you mm. uh, talking of the of matt smith then um as usual pretty good performance from him I think he was trying really blimmin' hard in this episode. I really did. I could almost feel him trying to lift the weight of it up. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, th- I thought he was good in it. I, I, I think he, again, given what he was, what he had had on the page, I think he's definitely grabbed that with both hands and gone with it. Um, so it may not be his best performance, but I think he's very, very good in it. He certainly held my attention in it, and I really liked him in it as well. You know, I just was, I was always, you know, that you saying about you didn't care about the supporting cast and neither did I, but I cared about the doctor in it. So yes. I, I thought yep. performance wise, Matt was, was good in this. I think he did well considering what he sort of had to do. Yeah. I think I agree with you, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is another one of those stories where he's just had to carry it really, hasn't he? You know? Yes. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. You know, we mentioned earlier that some are sto- some stories that have got a weak script or a weak concept, then Matt really steps up and as the leading man, he sort of carries it a bit. And I, I get annoyed with people that don't like Matt Smith. I mean, it's funny because I always say, you know, that's your opinion or, you know, each to our own. But I was uh, one of the people at the, the group I was with on Sunday was saying they did, really didn't like Matt Smith. And I was like, oh, man, he's brilliant. He's so good with the humour. He's good with the action. He's good when he needs to be serious. I can never get my head around people that don't like Matt Smith. But obviously, I respect people's opinions. I'm not saying, you know, you are wrong. But I just find it really hard to understand how people can't like Matt as a doctor because there are some brilliant moments from him in this, considering the story. You know, there's that bit where he's like, making the joke about the fact he had to be all serious about the countdown. You know, when he's telling them, he's like, ah, that was good, wasn't it? I was good. In oh, yeah, yeah. I convinced you, didn't I? And he's like doing, <laughs> he's, sort of, he's really proud of himself for being able to act all serious in that moment when he was kidding them. And, you know, little moments like that, I think Matt's great, you know? And he is good when he needs to be serious. Like when he's shouting at Clara saying, come on then, let's get it over with. And I, I, I just find him a, a great doctor. I, I can't get my head around people who don't like Matt's Doctor. I think he, I think he saved a lot of really bad episodes with his, you know, performance. I think he was, even if the stories are rubbish, I find him just so watchable. He's a great Doctor. I think so. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering if, uh, 
I know I keep saying it, but you, you and I have mentioned a couple of times that it would have been so good to have seen a Matt Smith story written by Russell T. Davis. Mm, oh gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love, I that it would. It, I would just because Russell's so good with the quirky one-liners. I think he would have. I think he would have written really well for Matt's Doctor. We'll we'll probably never know, but. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see they would have been a good a good pairing. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to mention? One thing I do want to mention is uh, a, another sort of strange little quirky um, thing that I wasn't really... I'm not sure if they were put in there for filler or not, but the little crispy zombies. Mm. Um, it, yeah, it, I think they were put in there to provide a sense of uh, danger and... Um, timeliness, yeah. Um, to sort of push them through the story, if you like, because they, because of those little zombie things running around, they couldn't obviously sit there and think about things for too long. They were being chased, so that provides an element of, you know, time's running out. You need to crack on, mm. with the, you know, and get done what you need to do. Um, and I think the doctor does explain at some point, doesn't he, that those little zombie things are them. Yeah, yeah. Again, this you know when I said there were certain things that are unclear, but I kind of mm-hmm. just went along with it. That's again another example of it. So, and he won't tell Clara as well. He's like, she's like, tell me who they are, and I'm thinking, well, what's the problem? Just tell her. Yeah, exactly. Just say to him, oh, they're they're us if we don't get this right. What's what's the big deal? Uh, you know, there's again, it's trying to make a big reveal that isn't even that big a reveal. It's, I just didn't get that at all because it's them. I don't know. Is it then when they've fallen into the? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Because he says, doesn't he? Don't save him because it'll reset it or so. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when the, I think it happens when they're meant. Those things are meant to be incarnations of themselves from a future time stream or something. Okay, I didn't really get it. No, I'll be honest, no. I didn't really get it. No. But, I mean, they they add a sense of danger to the first half of the episode. They're quite good in that, but I didn't get what they were meant to be. And I don't get why the Doctor can't just tell Clara what they are. <laughs> yeah, that, that was weird as well, because I didn't get that. He, he's very quick to say, we're about to die, tell me who you are and all the rest of it. Why can't mm. he just tell her, you know, if they're going to die anyway, what, just tell her, yeah. Yeah, just tell her, yeah. Mm. What about the reveal on her hand? That she's got, she's got something burned into her hand, doesn't she? Oh yeah, it's the it. She and it reveals the letters throughout the. Again, that was a something that was a bit bit timey wimey. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that does remind me that there is a beautiful scene. Actually, gosh, I've only I can't believe I've only just remembered this. There is a beautiful scene actually where they're walking through a fragmented white room with all these bits. Now that looked really good. Uh, effects and oh yeah, and stuff. yeah very simple but it, it's sort of a, a do you know the bit the white room and there's all these sort yep. of shards really liked that mm. that looks fantastic yeah but one of the few bits yeah one of the few bits that sort of maybe go oh <laughs> that's nice yeah mm. yeah i forgot about that white room i can't awesome. remember what it was meant to be now <laughs> but anyway it looked good it looked good yeah yeah anything else not really. I thought Murray's music was good, as usual. Quite creepy in creepy scenes, good in the action scenes, but nothing outstanding. But yeah, it was good. Okay. Mm. Scores. Scores on the doors. It's your turn to go first. It is. Um, 
I don't know. What, I honestly don't <laughs> know what to score it. I've written six. I've written six because it seems a bit high after what we've spoke about. But but that's what I wrote. And I think the reason I've gone six is because although although it's got a lot of faults, and like I said, although I found it quite frustrating at times, I also didn't think it was unwatchable. I I right. did find it quite a. Uh, a decent enough watch despite my frustrations. You know, like I said, I wasn't bored. The pacing was okay. You know, the, the episode production values look good despite the boring corridors. So it wasn't, it's not one of those, I'm trying to think of a really bad episode now. It's not like a husband's of river song, which I just find almost unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll go with a six. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's just okay, but it could have been great. <laughs> I read you. What, you, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give this... I'm going to go in hard. Oh. I'm going in with a four. <gasps> Good Lord. Four? Yeah. Whoa. I'm going in with a four. Okay. Four. Before I watched it, or re- I've, I think I've seen this twice already, before I rewatched it yesterday for the review, in my head I had a six roughly, mm. roughly hovering around there. But after I watched it and then we talked about it, I just, no, it, it it's too much of a massive missed opportunity. Mm. It's too much. It's the title of this episode should make you think, right, cup of tea, feet up. Here we go. Here we here go. We go. Yeah. This is going to be amazing. Mm. And it ends up being meh. You know, the, the, the script is mediocre. The performance is mediocre from the supporting cast. Mm. The payoff is mediocre. The classic reset, reset the button and we're all good. That's dreadful. You know, yeah. it just all of it, it's just, come on, guys. If, you, if you're going to do an episode like this, call it something different. Because <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day, it's just a slight malfunction with the TARDIS. And, you know, how, how do we use that as a device to find out a bit more about Clara? Mm. That's essentially what it is, mm. you know. So it could have it could have been just so good, but yeah, I think, I I, think I've never been. Well, actually, that's not true. I haven't been this disappointed in Who for a while. Mm. I must admit, as we were talking through, I nearly put my score down, but I think I should stick to six because that's what I, you know, that's my gut feeling after. I always write the score as soon as the credits start to roll. I think, right, what was that? <laughs> and I wrote a six, but I do agree with you, mate. I do agree with a lot of what you said. Mm. Right out. What did our lovely listeners think? Let's kick off with an audio clip. This is Sammy Satine. Oh. Hey, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, journey to the centre of the TARDIS. You know, a friend of mine told me I should watch this when I was in the midst of my break from Doctor Who that lasted nearly the entirety of the Matt Smith era airing. I think it was because she thought, well, there's a lot of rooms and the TARDIS in this, you might like it. Anyway, um, I like some of the rooms, but I've got to say the rest of it's a bit mediocre. I'm actually surprised the Moff didn't write this one, given how tummy-wimey it is. It's still painful to watch now, as it was back then. So I give it... Five burning Claras out of ten. Oh boy, do I hate Clara. Anyway, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Sammy. Sammy, yeah, five burning Clara. I gotta say, yeah, I, I know what she means. What does she, but 
took a break from the Matt Smith era. Sammy, explain yourself at once. At once, yeah, immediately. <laughs> immediately. Thank yeah. you, Sammy. Uh, um, we had a few um, tweets in over on the Twitter account. Uh, Silent Nerd C137 says, a wasted opportunity to show off the inside of the TARDIS and we just get lots of corridors. And a few rooms, although I do like the exploded engine room and the way that they get there. Matt Smith is a standout for me. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Actually, I've just got to go back to something Sammy said as well. She said it felt like a moth-written episode. Uh, the moth did have his sticky fingers in this one, just to let you know. He he came up with the, the sort of idea of it, I think, or, or certainly the sort of plot outline. So he was definitely there hovering behind the writer's back, just giving him little nods here and there. So, yeah, he's he's not credited as co-writer or anything, so he wasn't involved that much, but he definitely had his fingers in this one. He did. With a few little ideas creeping in, yeah. Yeah, apparently he had the concept for this mm. um, because he was haunted, apparently, by the invasion of time. <laughs> which was set on the TARDIS, but used hastily constructed sets. Yeah, well, he obviously didn't learn from it. No. <laughs> oh, dear, Moff. Not fair. He had his fingers in that pie, didn't he? He did, as always. Uh, Neil Brightermoon <laughs> says, it's a fun romp through the TARDIS, and it's interesting to see corners of it we haven't seen before. Matt Smith, as ever, is the standout performance with the Dr. Clara dynamic being quite good. Not brilliant, but not bad. It gives it a seven. Seven. Thank yes. you, Neil. TARDISNet66 says, I uh, can't remember if I left a comment before, but feels like an episode of pointless fan service, but holds very little that's fulfilling. Mm. The villain is generic and awful. The two main guest characters cannot act, and the resolution renders the whole story completely pointless. Yeah, it kind of does. Oh, dear. Mm. Uh, what else have we got here? Our good friend Morgan, uh, the Gallifreyan Hoovian. Morg just says, oh dear God. <laughs> oh dear. He says, uh, not bad, but could have been better, far better. Mm. The answers to questions we've been asking for ages, the swimming pool, etc., were very disappointing. Ashley Walters was wasted and I didn't like the resolution, which was quite literally a reset button. Uh, yeah. Nice visuals, though, gives it a, fi- a very accurate 5.9. Mm, very accurate that the, the reset thing does feel like a two fingers up to the fans to me a little bit but yeah yeah mm. and lastly on twitter uh dr joy p says i like some things about the episode the part that bothers me the most is that one this is the only episode for at least a whole season where the main guest characters are black mm. and two they're garbage men yeah, yeah illegal garbage men Dim-witted, illegal garbage men, come on. Mm. Oh, dear. I hear you. I hear you. Mm. Uh, Let's do our second audio clip. This is Ash Prosser. Hello, Gary and Adam from the Big Blue Box podcast. Ash Prosser here again with Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS. Now, I quite like this episode, but I'll start off with some bad features. Several times Clara faced the zombie-like creatures, running away only to be distracted by something like the library and forget she's being chased. She is too calm about the situation. Most people would be terrified waking up under her circumstances. The episode was finished a bit easily with the big friendly button, but that's neither here nor there. I enjoyed the episode uh, spent entirely in the TARDIS. It felt vastly infinite, but at the same time very claustrophobic. The zombie creatures were well designed and were used quite well with a blurry camera effect to build tension. The design of the TARDIS interior was great, 
and it was uh, good to see all of the different rooms within uh, within the TARDIS itself. Altogether, I think it was a fun uh, little episode with a nice small cast expanding how far the Doctor will go for his companions. Altogether, 7.5 out of 10. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Ash. Nice one. Actually, do you know what? He reminded me as well. He's quite right about Clara. The, the bit where Clara sees herself, you know, that there's three or four of her wandering around. Hmm. And she just casually goes, oh, she d- there's no reaction from her at all. It's like, oh, I've just seen, seen myself twice walking around the corridor. You know, you, I think, yeah, he's, he's got a good point there. Same with the zombies. She does seem a little bit like, I don't know. That's a, but I'm going to blame the director for that. She said, no, no, more reaction, please, Jenna. <laughs> she sort of does, though, doesn't she? She's like, oh, there I am. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah you would be a little bit more surprised, I think. Mm. Yes. No, I agree. Ooh, swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> Over on Facebook, Jeff Waddle says, I'm not watching this again. Oh, dear. But what I can remember about it on transmission, because this is another that I'll never watch again, is that it's crap. <laughs> All I can remember is the control center of the TARDIS is a lot of balls. It is. How appropriate is that? <laughs> he gives it a two out of ten in a disappointing season, but it's not the worst. Oh, no. Nightmare in Silver, I'm looking at you. Oh, Jeff, please. Jeff, bring in the... I I try so hard to forget that story. I know. Cheers, Jeff. (laughs) Bring in the negative bants. (laughs) Kevin Mullen says, uh, it's one of those stories, if it wasn't for Matt Smith's performance, would be instantly forgettable. Mm. The monsters are admittedly seriously creepy, but the entire notion that one of the salvage crews thinks he's a robot just because his brothers told him so, is up there with Guy Crawford not actually looking under his eye patch to discover he actually had an eye at the resolution uh, of literally pressing a big red seat button and both lazy and patronising. Oh, yes, yeah, see? That's so a story I, oh, Yes. Guy Crawford what? not looking under his eye patch to realise he actually had an eye. Which story is it, though? Because that's under, yeah, Guy Crawford. I'm going to Google it. I while knew I hadn't imagined it. While you're Googling that, uh, Matt finish, uh, Kevin finishes with, visually it's stunning, uh, but it's all gloss. Five, of, five out of five, mainly for Matt. Um, and then he says, no, I've edited this, rethought about the score. It's a three out of five. <laughs> Gone down. Lou Gallagher says, I was having a good day till you reminded me of this monstrosity. Oh, dear. It's perhaps the um, epitome or such a rich concept, an awful execution. Hmm. Uh, Matt and Jenna are great as always. The supporting cast are pretty weak though, both in how they're written and performances. And did the Doctor really need to tell... To, did the Doctor really need them to find Clara in his fake-out time bomb plan? No, not really. All they did was muck things up, to be blunt. Probably the only scene that stands out is when the Doctor confronts Clara about who she is. Mainly his driving obsession with her and how she's genuinely scared of him at that point. Shame mm. is just tossed aside and all for nothing with a literal big friendly reset button. One out of ten. One? Cool. <sighs> Jason Thayer. I like this one. It didn't overstay its welcome, and it stayed on point. The action was fast-paced. Matt Smith had a good performance as usual. Jenna, Jenna was kind of bland, but not bad. I give it a seven. Seven, okay. Zach Jenkin. So many questions. How can Clara have travelled with the Doctor and not seen the pool yes. or the library? Yes. Also, why would the Doctor leave a big book about the Time War? Just out and open. Yes, I know. Tardis exactly. zombies, question mark. Utter pants out of ten. 
<laughs> Martin Arnold. Um, this is a pretty average episode uh, with some nice ideas, but really it doesn't go anywhere. Um, terribly exciting. It's a filler episode based around everyone's favourite companion, Clara. I kind of feel Matt phoned in a little bit here uh, and the supporting cast of the Salvage Guys are pretty terrible. Overall, 7 out of 10. Miles McKenzie. This looks cool in the trailers, like um, we'd explore the TARDIS more, but nope, this is just a rushed mess of an episode. Mm. The only Zoom, sorry, the only room we really got to see was the library. Uh, The weird time zombie things that the salvage team became made no sense and just very meh. He goes on to give it an overall 2.5. And lastly, quite low. Our Mm. buddy Martin from uh, Bad Bad Wilf. Oh, yes. Very short and sweet. Honestly, I don't remember it. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. The silence have got to Martin again. Indeed. (laughs) Did you have any comments over on your Geeks Handbag channel? Yeah. I did indeed. I had a few, but I'll just give you the highlights. So uh, Reese Jenkins says he absolutely loves this one and uh, he thinks um, it's done really well with some pretty good story and gets the thumbs up. So basically a big fan of it. Charlie Turner says, coming from a series that's a guilty pleasure, uh, Journey is to the centre of the TARDIS has some great potential, great ideas, but its execution is a bit naff. Still enjoyable though, he gives it a 7 out of 10. Uh, Dan Pinn. Gives it a four out of ten. He says he loves Matt Smith's performance. Uh, TARDIS Library and the rooms are beautifully stunning sets. Unfortunately, we don't see much else. But uh, And also, he says the plot's a bit weak, so he's giving it a four. And finally, Bradley Willard says, similar to how the TARDIS is viewed in the episode, I think this story is utter junk. Terrible supporting actors, with the exception of Ashley Walters. A horrible script, extremely poor direction and editing, and lacklustre performances from both our leads. In conclusion, he says, completely wasted potential and gives it a one out of ten. Bradley. Bradley. Not mincing any words there. Well, <laughs> one out of ten. Our listeners oh, don't dear. hold back if they're no good. No, I like happy. it when they don't hold back. Yeah, yeah. good. <laughs> so overall, not fantastic, I'm afraid. No, Moff. That's another one to uh, put down to the list of <laughs> what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I bet, I was thinking the other day, I bet he sat at home and I bet now he's got all the pressure off and he hasn't got to write scripts. He's probably sat there, I bet he's coming up with loads of really great ideas. But he's like, oh, why didn't I, ah, oh, why didn't I think of this before? <laughs> and he's like on the phone to Chibbers, do you need any? Uh, no, no, we're all good, Stephen. We're all good. Oh. Yeah. I have a different image in my head of what the moth's doing right now. I imagine him sat in a big, a massive big leather chair with a footrest, he's got a dressing gown on, he's got a little <laughs> glass of brandy, he's got a cigar, puffing away, he's got his laptop there, you can see all the social media in the forums, and he's just chucking away like, <laughs> suck. <laughs> and I, I got a vision that every time he sees the trailer come on, he just puts two fingers up. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I was right all along. It's you <laughs> lot that are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Poor old Moff. It's a shame because he's such a nice guy. I do like them off. And his knowledge of Doctor Who and his obvious fanboy nature for Doctor Who is so great, you know, that's infectious sometimes. And we've seen him do talks and stuff. Oh, it's he's just, always good to talk. Yeah, it's just great. But then when he sits in front of a computer to actually write something, it's like, just lay off the bloody full cheese pizza or whatever it is you're eating when you're writing these things. Just, I don't know. I don't, 
I just love the the scene in the Five Ish Doctors where he's playing with the figure sets. It's just, it's my just. If ever I think of him, that's how I think of him. Just dicking around, and then yeah. yeah so the script or the story deadlines due, and like five minutes before, he's like, "Oh crap, let's just do this. Oh, that'll be right. That'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> that'll do." Anyway, let's leave Journey to the centre of the TARDIS where it is. It lives in the lower end of the review list. Leave it alone. Yeah. Next week, what we got, dude? Next week, oh, fantastic. Um, Sarah Jane next week. So we're kicking off Series 2. Hurrah! Hurrah. Oh, I just love these Sarah Jane stories. So the last Sontaran next week. Sontaran. Sontaran. I hope it's good. I haven't seen it. So it's a, it's a new one. It's fresh, which is why I'm so excited about it. Hopefully it's good. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing how we pick up from Series 1 in Series 2. So, yeah, really excited about that, actually. Last yeah. Sontaran. Should we good? Hopefully, yeah. I hope it's good. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen this one either, mate. No. Nope. Going in fresh. Yeah. Yes. Coolio, I think we'll do there for 202. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening through episode 202. We've had some great news and merch to go through this week, which has been nice. Some information released from the Beeb. Information. Obviously fact-checked <laughs> and okayed by Chibbers. <laughs> yeah, signed off. Yeah. Episode titles and some nice imagery just ramping up the speed of the hype train just a few weeks away surely a new trailer surely one more trailer surely one more got to be surely surely thank you for all of those people that sent in your reviews and comments and so on for our review episode this week I know it wasn't great but hopefully entertaining and uh, you never know there could be lots of fans out there who love it we just haven't heard from them so if you do like it let us know Next week, the Sarah Jane Adventures, The Last Santaran. Santaha. Get that watched because we'll be asking for your opinions on that one. Until then, though, head over to our website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our episodes on there. Plus, there are links to go off to all of our social accounts. We chat lots of Doctor Who during the week. Um, so, link off and give us a like and a follow on those. And on the podcast networks, just do a search if you don't subscribe already. The big one being iTunes. There's a big button on our website. Big friendly button. Yeah. Um, So give us a sub on there. You won't miss a show. It goes out every Friday. And if you are an iTunes listener, if you could spare a minute for a review and a rating, that would be awesome because that really helps us lots. Also, check out my co-host's YouTube channel, The Geek's yeah. Handbag. Geek's Handbag. Gosh, been knocking videos out every week It's awesome. Lately. Yeah. I oh, know. Loads yeah. of cool videos over from Adam there. Lots of yeah. just lot general... Of you got a lot of time on your hands, did you say? i got a lot of time on my hands at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> Making lots of videos. Yeah. <laughs> Loads of cool stuff. Go and give them a sub on there. Plus, you're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Everything. All the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Yes. Coolio, until next week. For 203, my name's Gary. Wow. My name's Adam. And remember. Hey. Hey.